All your friends are queer and Maybe not all but some and Maybe none but you're Trying to be kind and inclusive of everyone You made the right call And we're so glad you're here So it's time to start this show About how all our friends are queer Hello everybody, welcome to All Your Friends Are Queer, a Pride Month podcast in July. Not happening in Pride Month. Not now, not ever. Uh, this is Juan and Sarah, your hosts, with the most. With the most. With the most. Dandruff, gonorrhea tests. Oh my god. Funko Pop collection. (laughs) Leave Anyways, um, if you're new to this show, this is a show where we talk with our friends who our are friends. queer, mm-hmm. all kinds of letters in the LGBT, LGBTQIA+, you know, community, that acronym, uh, all kinds of people. We talk to them about their journeys and experiences as queer people and... They tell us their stories and we say, wow, interesting. But now and can we get back it. to me? Yeah. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. Um, how are you doing? Oh my God. What? How are you doing? I'm dealing with a ghost. You got a ghost in your house. I got a ghost in my house. I got a ghost busted. I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with COVID. Not because I have, why do I sound like that lady that's like my McRib meal? You know that you know that the comedian. No, I got you my McRib meal and at McDonald's in Dorsey. Oh, she's a, is she a comedian? Yeah, she's a comedian. I thought there was just some random lady. No, no, no. She video. has like a bunch of videos. She's a comedian. Oh, it looked so real. That's Anyways. what makes it gold. Uh, but no, I'm dealing with the ghost. I'm dealing with uh, marching band in Arizona being dumb as fuck and not. Knowing how to implement, you know, good policies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm dealing with the fact that I'm eating some chips. Um, I got drawings and paintings and games that I'm playing. I'm doing all right. Okay. How about you? Um, I'm fine. The fridge broke at my house and all yeah. the food is slowly going bad. Ooh, spooky. Yeah, and that's the true, that's the true ghost here, right? The haunting yeah. of the rotten food. Is that a Goosebumps episode? Probably. <gasps> Did you guys... Oh my god, you guys should have made so many egg everything today. Like, used up all the eggs in your fridge. No, ew. I don't even eat eggs. I love eggs. Anyways. um, Yeah, I've been good, though. Been just working on this podcast, the other podcast. That's working about it. That's all I do. Of, yeah. That's all I, I mean, do. like I said, I'm a YouTube editor now. Like, I one, am a professional. One edited one video for our other... Or no, for his work. And now he <laughs> thinks he's a professional. Because I am. Anyways, um, let's just uh, introduce this episode, I guess. This conversation that we had. Yeah, so, yeah. today's episode... This is our third episode. Of this novella. This little mini series of a podcast. Uh, today's episode, we talk with our friend Nathan Vasheko. 
uh, about his experiences. He's a bisexual man. He's a musician. He's lived in Pennsylvania, Ohio, California, has had different experiences in all of those states, both red and blue. Is he a traveling salesman? He's Penn and Teller. (gasps) He's the Avon lady. Avon calling. Um, So I met Nathan through an app. (gasps) Grinder. Friendship app. No. um, (laughs) I met Nathan through an app called, it doesn't exist anymore, but it was called the List app. It later changed into List. Yeah, Juan, you were on the app for a little bit as well. Um, It was an app where you would just make make lists. um, And, like, not a ton of people used it, but the people that were on it, like, there was, like, a good sense of community there. Like, we all knew each other. Um, And at some point, we all were like, let's follow each other on other platforms. And so at some point... uh, I followed Nathan, I think at the time, Nathan also had a Twitter, but on Twitter and Instagram, and somehow through just, like, commenting on each other's posts or um, DMing each other, whatever, at somewhere along the way, we became good friends, just internet friends, you know, and then we met for the first time when you and I were in Anaheim for VidCon, and we went to Disneyland as well, oh, and we- Nathan, um, who lives in, like, Orange County, was like, oh, that's right near me. Like, we should meet up. And we all met up at the best restaurant in all the land. That's right. Say it with me, kids. Denny's! Denny's! Can you add, like, the the kids, like, hooray! Denny's! (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we met up at a Denny's. That was our first time interacting. Um, Since then, you and I, we've We've hung out with Nathan here in Arizona at a the real best restaurant, Chiba Hut, Ooh, Ooh, where you can Chiba get Kool Aid and a big cookie and sandwiches that the, are that named, are named after, after weed, stoner lingo. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, I also like. I just this was like the last trip i ever took was in january i went um to la and nathan and i went to um uh, we went to go see book smart um at the arc and light. you saw and you tell me who you saw tell me who you saw what which one of my fantasy men did you get to see <laughs> juan is referring to yes this uh nathan was like nathan whenever i'm in la la is like one of his uh if, well, it's just like his favorite city, and he likes to show me like some of his favorite places there. And of course, I know next to nothing about the place, so I'm like, "Yes, show me." And we went to um, a restaurant um, that is sentimental to him. I won't name the restaurant because since then we've both been like, "Ooh, this place is kind of shitty." Um, but we were at lunch there, and who sits down next to us except for? <gasps> Paul Rudd. Oh my god, Paul Rudd. Mama Paul Rudd. Yes, so that was truly a bonding experience for Nathan and I that we had lunch next to Paul Rudd. Um, And we'll always have that. You know, won't. (laughs) And I... (sighs) I do remember you being so pissed. (laughs) Because I just messaged you and Frankie. I was like... Well, I think first I had said... Because Frankie had just finished watching Mad Men. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just saw the guy from Mad Men at this restaurant. And Frankie was like, wait, what? One, you're in LA. Two, you saw the guy from Mad Men? And I was like, yeah, he Three, came Three, there in. are many men on Mad Men. The one with the white hair, John Slattery. I was like, yeah, mm. he came in and said hi really quick to Paul Rudd, who's sitting right next to me. And then you guys were like, wait, what? Can you go back? <laughs> wait, go back. Why are you talking about John Slattery when we should be talking about Paul Rudd? Anyways. Okay, let me tell you what I have done in that situation. Sorry, dude, I just need to say this. If I was sitting next to Paul Rudd, I wouldn't know how to control myself. Because I would want to be very much like, I don't know him. Who is this man? No, I fully, for an hour that we were there, pretended I didn't know who he was. Because I didn't fully... want to be awkward. Yeah, but I fully would have been like at one point turned to him and be like, hey, so I know you're Paul Rudd. Love you. Love you. I mean, that's I'm basically what you. I did. I just waited till I was about to leave. Mm-hmm. I literally she... leaned over. One of the... F- it's such a weird experience of because the tables are so close together as well. Like the photo I took with him, like you're like touching not, shoulders. That that's not us like moving our chairs at all. Like that was just us leaning over. That's how close we were, and I was just that close to him at lunch. But like I, because in my head I was like, now I'm sorry that this has become the Paul Rudd podcast. We'll get to Nathan in a minute, <laughs> but um, I just know that I was like. It was a restaurant that is also very, like, it te- It says on the menu, like, refrain from taking photos, because a lot of famous people do go there, mm-hmm. and they just don't like that in their atmosphere. It's a very, like, snobby restaurant, and um, so I-, I asked Nathan, once Paul Rudd was sitting next to us, first of all, Nathan didn't even realize that he was sitting next to us till he went up to get me, like, a spoon, and he came back, and then he texted me, he was like, oh, I just realized that's Paul Rudd sitting next to you. I fully, okay, listen, if I had direct eye contact with Paul Rudd, I fully would have been like. Just wide-eyed the whole time. I would have. You would have been like this with your fingers. Who am I? I'm an ant. (laughs) He's (laughs) Ant-Man. I've never seen the movie. Anyways, um, point is, I was, I asked Nathan, I was like, should I take a photo, like, would that be would I get beat up here like I don't know and he's like I mean you can try he was like I don't know and then Nathan went to the bathroom and then it just so happened that like because I would I didn't want to interrupt he was like talking to his like I don't know if it's his manager agent a friend whatever but they were having lunch together and I didn't want to ever interrupt and what happened was at some point his the other guy had to take a phone call mm-hmm. and then Paul was like and so oh, you yeah, said sure. perfect opportunity gotta go and I said it's now or never. I was playing that song from High School Musical 3. This is the last time to get it right. It was playing now mm-hmm. or never in my head. And so I just looked at him and I said, hey, Paul. And then he looked over at me and I was like, could I get a f- photo? Or like, do you mind if like if we got a photo together? And he was like, yeah, sure. And then I was like, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But he's very nice. But it was just such a weird moment of me turning to him and saying, hey, Paul. Like, yes, I've been sitting next to you this whole time and you didn't know that I knew who you were. But I do know and I would I am asking for a photo. That's okay. Anyways, Nathan and I Uh, sat next to Paul Rudd once was the story there. (laughs) That's all we're saying. Um, And 
I'll also say enough about Paul Rudd for reals. What I will say is uh, Nathan came out as bisexual on social social media. Sorry, when he released his poetry book, um, which you can get on his website. With, there's a link in the description. Um, I've read it. Would recommend. Uh, it's called Yes, I Still Talk About Geese. Um, ooh. And, ooh, ah, I know you love birds. Sorry, I had to burp. Um, uh, oh my and just God, stop. Uh, sorry. I just want to say for me, um, Nathan has definitely been like a huge ally and friend to me, has been very supportive. Um, and like, I've always known him to be an ally for like all communities really he's like very open about like fighting for like the rights of others for like the disenfranchised i know he's been going to protests like all the time right now like literally i texted him the other day i was like hey i'm gonna send you the file to listen to soon for this interview to see if there's anything you want to cut you know we can cut Mm -hmm. out anything and he was like i'm gonna i'm at a protest right now but i'll like listen to it later and i'm like of course you are that's just who you are Um, also he, uh, this Friday on the 17th is releasing a, a song on Bandcamp called Up Close and all of the proceeds for that song, we're going to go to different organizations. They're going to go to Black Lives Matter, the Ochre Project, Trans Justice Funding Project, Black Trans Travel Fund, and the Bail Project. So on Friday, buy the song. Support some great organizations. You get a song. Win-win. Win-win-win-win. So, yeah, that comes out on July 17th. He didn't ask me to plug that. I'm just plugging that because I think relevant. Um, And, yeah, I guess we can just get into this episode. This was recorded end of May. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know the exact date, but, yeah, end of May. This would have had to have been, like, maybe the 27th or something, somewhere around that time. Ooh, the 27th. Yeah, I don't I don't totally know. But we had a good chat, and uh, it was nice to hear his perspective, um, you know, because we, we got to hear Michelle and Adrian talk about their experiences as being, like, non-binary and bisexual, and it's interesting. I think bisexual men in particular, you don't see a lot of in the media or maybe hear a lot of their experiences so it was interesting to hear mm-hmm. you get you very anything? easily classified into gay yeah do you have any last words before we get into this conversation nathan has been a very i mean he's been a really great ally to you but i think he's just i think he's been like a really good friend to me just like from what i've known him and he's a great person so enjoy this episode in learn, and everyone has their own experiences, so there's always something to learn from every one of them. All right, and away we go. Here is our conversation with Nathan, and we will see you at the outro. Chimes! Okay, so the way we start <laughs> out the these chats every episode is going around and saying our pronouns and how we identify. So my name is Sarah, my pronouns are she, her. And labels I identify with are queer, gay, gray romantic, and asexual. Juan, you can go next. Okay. Yeah, my turn. It's my turn now. <laughs> um, so, 
I, my, nope. My pronouns are, I always fuck this up. My pronouns are, my pronouns are always he, him. <laughs> I guess that works. Um, and I identify as gay. And I'm Nathan, and my pronouns are he, him, and I identify as bisexual and queer. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) There it was. Hooray. Um, Nathan, how do you define your labels of bisexual and queer for you personally? Um, Bisexual is um, just in terms of I could certainly also... um, identify as pansexual and I have some friends that are that identify as pansexual and to me my view of it is really that it basically costs you nothing to also identify as pansexual if you're bisexual bisexual is just the term that I've obviously known about a lot longer and I think culturally in general people have been Mm -hmm. familiar with longer and so personally that's what feels right for me um, and, and in terms of identifying as queer, I, I view that more as sort of like the catch-all for both my own bisexuality and as just being an ally in the community. So bisexuality, do you, do you define it as two or more genders? Yeah, yeah, that it's basically, and, and you know, that's, I think, I think part of how obviously like identifying as pansexual came about is that mm-hmm. it's still a very binary literally binary term bisexual um and i i don't live in the world of there are but the two genders yeah <laughs> so um so yeah uh two or more genders yeah um how do you feel about the word queer like you said you kind of feel like it's inclusive for the community but there's also yeah. people that like see it as like a slur so how yeah. do you feel about it as a term i've felt like in the past few years of of paying more and more attention to um just sort of what's happening in the community overall i kind of like that it's sort of a reclaiming of the word because obviously i mean both gay and queer have have been negatively co-opted for decades centuries Um, and so, so I, I view it as like a positive reclaiming and, um, it was never really like a term that personally, we can probably get into this more at some point, depending on what you're going to ask. But in terms of my like small town, central Pennsylvania upbringing, gay was used as a, uh, in a, with a negative connotation a lot more than queer was. I just Mm -hmm. don't think as many I think queer as a word sort of like um, it, it like has a literally just as a word has like a flamboyance to it that almost makes um, the straights uncomfortable with even saying it. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't really be a word that they would as often use as a negative. Um, yeah. 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 Cause like whenever I've heard it, it's always been like, Oh, that's queer. Like that's very strange. Right. Like, I've heard it used in many different ways. Like, growing up, I never heard it as, like, a derogatory term. Like, I did gay. Like, gay was, like, the first word that I heard that was, like, oh, what does this mean? And even, like, Juan and I were saying, like, I think when we were talking to our friends Frankie and Gerard, we were saying, like, we felt that, like, gay was used more of an attack, like, at least in our generation. I know you're older than us, but, yeah, it seems like queer... I honestly think queer sounds like such a like educated word that like yeah. people were like scared of it that they were like gay sounds like just quick and easy and yeah just everyone knows it yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of an alpha word, whereas queer is like not really that way, I guess. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. What are some misconceptions you think like cishet people probably have about bisexual people? Um, certainly, I think the the notion of it being um, an excuse for being sexually experimental <laughs> or, or like a, um, I would say the way that I've encountered the misconception most in like the dating world and I'm talking even like this year is that, um, I find, I find that people in the queer community that I encounter never invalidate my identification as bisexual. Whereas straight people, like a few straight women in the past, like year of my life of occasionally being in the dating world, um, will try to sort of invalidate the experiment, the experience or the identification by just sort of arguing that, you know, like I'll explain my history of how I sort of came to, to identify as bisexual and my first experiences with, um, that weren't just with women. Um, and they'll be like, are you sure that that sounds more like you were just experimenting? Mm hmm. And I find that's that's never something that's questioned among queer folks. It's only something that's ever happened with a few like straight women. And so I think that's that's a big one for me is the the misconception that it means you're sexually wild. I think because maybe because in pop culture, like I feel like one of the first famous people that was noted as being bisexual was Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. And because Freddie, and we won't talk about that movie from a few years ago, but because Freddie Mercury, her. like, um, was known for being, like, just personally wild, I think people have this idea of, like, oh, it just means they're crazy for sex with anybody. Yeah, and, just really yeah. promiscuous and, like, getting around, yeah. sleeping yeah. with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And we have Fergie to blame for that promiscuous girl. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was Nelly for Toto, <laughs> not Fergie. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Wow. But sure, let's blame it on Fergie. Look and at, I oop. Look at how I just accepted it as Fergie. Yeah. I th- yeah. Fergie really did well, cause it Well, for a second all, I was she? like, yeah, sure, Fergie. Um, yeah, Plus I we think, should blame Timbaland too. Didn't he produce and write yeah, it? Yeah, he was the he was the guy in there saying, <laughs> "Yeah, come hang out with me. And she said, mm-mm. mm-mm. Um, Juan, I don't know if you have any, like if you grew up hearing anything or even stuff now, like have you heard any like negative things or just like stereotypes about bisexual people? I was going to ask, like that's, I could see how straight women would do that. Cause I, I believe that straight people would definitely come for anything that is like outside of like, I mean, it's already like gays and lesbians are already the other. So like anything that's like beyond the other or like an amalgamation of those two is like, "Mm, really? Yeah. Like it's anything so other than like so I, those first two letters of the LGBTQIA yeah, like, acronym. It's like yeah. the bi- the binary of the community, which is lesbian and gay. <laughs> like literally, the two binary of that community is so like already like wild for them that they can't like expand from the binary of even just the whole ins- the like the idea of the spectrum. And like I I can kind of see how straight women would do that more to you, but like has any have like men ever done that to you? Because I would. Like, cause in, not in my experience, but like, I would think that like, cause 
gay men have that term. I mean, I use it to protect myself when I was younger, but like, uh, by now, gay later, <laughs> where it's I like, oh, I'm bi. And then it's like, no, 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 I'm fully like, because I've seen that even happen with a couple people. Because, I mean, I used it myself, but it's like, I've seen men be like, oh, I'm bi. And then all of a sudden, like, that term just fades away for them. Yeah. And then it just becomes like, oh, gay the whole the whole way. Um, so it's like, has, like, have any men ever done that to you? Or is it primarily just like straight women that have done that? Because that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, I think it's just been, I think the reason it's only been straight women is because, um, and this is like one of the many flaws of like dating apps, obviously, but like, you can only like, you know, like you can only filter so much. And so like, if you, if you're like advertising yourself as like a guy looking to talk to women guys and if it's an app that's more progressive and it lets you say like other genders then it does but a lot of them don't (laughs) um so Mm -hmm. like so in my experience like if i'm ever talking to a guy they usually it's usually in a forum like dating app wise where like they're not going to be straight to begin with um and in terms of like straight guy friends i no i don't think surprisingly i don't think anyone has um no i don't think so yeah but i've definitely experienced straight guy friends being weirded out once i came mm-hmm. once i came out but i don't think any of them have ever tried to invalidate and make the argument of like i think maybe the reason it's a straight woman thing is it's like a, a sense of feeling threatened of like Oh, well, I'm supposed to have all the sexual power. And so you're telling me that you turn your head at guys too. We can't have that. Mm -hmm. I can totally see that. I can totally see that being the reason. Like that, that, that idea of like the jealous girlfriend. That's like, not only now does she have to watch out for like another woman, but now it's like also men and like the whole world is threatened now. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I I know for, um, our friend Michelle, who is by, and we did an episode with, they were saying like, uh, because I think they're they're not using dating apps right now, like, they stopped, but for a while, like, um, because they are bi and non-binary, but, like, I guess, like, people, like, assume, like, they're a woman, maybe they don't read, I don't know what apps have what, like, pronouns and genders available on there, Mm -hmm. but that they would get, like, most of the people, like, in, like, the bisexual or, like, looking for, like, men, women, whatever, it would be a lot of like women who are like or i guess couples that are just like looking for a third is that more of i'm assuming that's more of like a thing that like women are getting approached by and i just and can i ask what are you using (laughs) oh yeah i'm using um i'm using (laughs) name them hinge which is like um like good for talking but not like not as progressive in terms of the options that you have and then obviously like okay cupid is like even though they're kind of lame they're like very good about options like oh, there's a, there's a lot that you okay, can provide cupid. about yourself yeah and then i've used like bumble too but bumble is kind of binary it's all about like women can only women can send messages to men yeah. and so like there's not a lot of options for like being more out and sort of like and less binary on that one yeah okay cupid it like pains me to admit that they're the most progressive <laughs> but they truly are yeah um and i was gonna say a minute a second ago i just learned the term unicorn yeah for that's like have you heard of fuck? that for yeah. like swinging couples oh, and stuff 
like looking for like we're looking for a unicorn yeah someone's screaming in this house that they want to like <laughs> add to their like basically just like someone to have a threesome with right and like is this that's a cult no it truly feels like it is sometimes yeah but like that's what i think a lot of people are putting in their dating profiles like couples that are like me and my boyfriend or me and my girlfriend are looking for a unicorn and basically saying like we're looking for a third yeah and it's like if it's wild you know if it's so strange yeah like and if it's a straight couple where like the guy wants to be like cuckolded or whatever Mm -hmm. then they're looking for a bull is the term what the for like for like another guy uh, yeah, and if I've it's like they're looking for a girl, then it's a unicorn for the girl. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> what is cuckold? That means like, like, like that the guy like gets watch. off on like watching his wife with someone else, her girlfriend. Interesting. Or that's why yeah. these terms, that's where the term cuck comes yeah. from. It's short for cuckold. That's right. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yep. Oh wow! It's not just something people call each other on the internet. Yeah, I thought it was just like it's not just bitch. Yeah. It's not, it's not just alt-right slang or whatever. Yeah, kind of like, how it's used now. Um, yeah. So, like, I think that's, a, like, not a stereotype, but just something that, like, maybe, like, straight people, like, assume, like, oh, bisexual people would be into this. Like, that's the right. way we're going to get our third person. Yep. Um, and then also, like, Juan brought up that there is a a pattern that, like, a lot of people that end up down the line coming out as gay or like just lesbian um that a lot of people like when they first come out they identify as bi yeah has that like affected you at all well and i mean prominently obviously that's the like that's like the elton john trajectory and i feel like for a lot of people who are more mainstream that's always going to be the first person in the queer community that they ever heard of mm-hmm. um and like so that so it might be that his story was the first time i ever even heard of someone being bisexual <laughs> like when i was like a kid um but i don't think it's a, it's never negatively impacted me in terms of like um i don't think again it's like <laughs> not to like be hard on st- the straight ladies <laughs> but like straight guys I don't, straight guys i don't think i've ever invalidated and guys who identify anywhere on the spectrum of queer have never tried to insinuate like oh you're bi huh like we'll like, wink wink we'll see it you're in a few just years. Gay. yeah yeah yeah. right yeah nobody i don't think anyone's ever done that with me okay yeah. good you have good yeah. people around you that's good to hear yeah um when did I'm like trying to think of like something that I wanted to say right there, but I couldn't. Sorry. <laughs> Bummer. We're flying past it. Um, <laughs> okay. No, if you think of it, let us know. Um, when did you realize that you might be queer? I, I was pretty, um, I think understanding in like an, in, in like my own inner life. Um, as soon as I first acted on, the impulse with a friend of mine and when the other day when i asked you like what are we going to talk about or i mean i didn't ask what we were talking about but i was like i'll talk about whatever yeah. i don't give a fuck and you've and you've Everything. mentioned to me before right. like yeah like i could get I, as deep as this and you like told me a quick story yeah like i, I don't like, i don't sure. mind yeah, yeah i don't mind like going into all the gory details of like well, nathan killed someone and he's right. about to tell us <gasps> murdered someone i love this I, yeah. <laughs> No, like the the thing that's funniest about my story of how it first started is that it's such a cliche because I was in Boy Scout camp. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen, that's where it happens. Screaming so loud the neighborhood calls yeah. the police. <laughs> and so like, so even then, and, and I would have been like, like uh, 13 or 14. Um, I was, pr- I definitely knew of the term bisexual by then. And I was pretty like understanding and open with myself, at least in my like inner life of like, yeah, this certainly means this. Like, I don't like I don't have any confusion or like um, resistance to it, but I still didn't come out for a long time. And part of why I didn't is because after the after the the pattern in my teenage years with this just this one friend of mine of like hooking up, which started in like Boy Scout camp. (laughs) Um, I didn't, I didn't have like another bisexual experience for a long, long time and was basically just living as a straight guy without really thinking much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, so the, the, and the process of eventually coming out, which we can, you know, whenever you want to like talk about it more, um, at the point that I did it. I really did it more to be a, to try to be a good ally than anything else. Um, it was, it was more about like feeling like there were more and more people in my own little world that were either not out or out and had like a nightmare time coming out Mm -hmm. and knowing that my experience had been so easy and that any time that I eventually opened up and told people like case by case that I was by, um, it was kind of never painful with anybody. There was some, there was like some homophobia that I was around as a teenager and like early twenty something um, that bothered me. But it was uh, because I wasn't out yet. People didn't know that they were doing it to me. They mm-hmm. were just doing it around mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And um, so it still didn't feel like oppressive to me necessarily then um yeah so but from the beginning i was pretty open about like as soon as as soon as we like hooked up the first time and i realized that that meant something to me um i was pretty open with myself of like i'm bisexual that's for okay. sure so really yeah. like right around the time you realized it, you kind of came out to yourself with it yeah yeah okay and did the you power. oh thank you 13 <laughs> me man <laughs> Do you ever feel like a sense of like protection from homophobia and like feeling so like personally attacked because of the bisexuality? Like, do you feel like that's like a, like a way to like, not like a way that you'd like defend because obviously you're not doing it on purpose, but like a way that your brain like comprehends like, oh, you're like, especially like being younger, being like, oh, you're okay because you aren't fully one or the other. Like you still do like, like girls. Yeah. 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 Like I like. Go ahead. I didn't want to cut you off. No, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. Um, Yeah. Like I, um, it's the first time that it, uh, it definitely bothered me as early as then when I started to be aware of it. So I do think that it's sort of like as soon as I had the personal experience, and this is just one of, to me, like one of the mind fucks of like human nature that's like, we, you know, we're seeing it so much today in so many ways that it's like people don't start to care until it's their own personal yeah. experience until it impacts them so like i probably mm-hmm. as a kid you know witnessed homophobia again and again and again and never even registered and then as soon as i identified that way then it did start to bother me hearing like guy friends and sometimes women but usually guy friends talking in like homophobic ways or or like projecting some kind of 
like homophobia about about queerness in some way um and i didn't (laughs) i didn't personally have someone and again even in this case the the guy didn't wouldn't have known anything about me either way except that he just assumed that i was liberal and and therefore because of assuming i was liberal he just projected all the other things onto it that he wanted to but a, a guy called me the f word back in ohio in like summer of last year in like a road rage incident right like oh. he like mm-hmm. followed me followed me to like a parking lot and like parked next to me and got out of his car and was like screaming at me because i had like flipped him off for cutting me off mm-hmm. and and he and so like among his tirade like he called me the f word and he didn't have obviously any context to know if that even really applied it was just part of his own general bigotry being yeah. spewed out but but it did really bother me having happened to me like then for the first time since coming out uh it hit me in like a whole different way and i was like very very upset about it um it was like the the main thing that upset me about that ordeal that day was that he used that word um and so i do think again there's like that personal context of like the more out the more out you are the more it would bother you um and then maybe before you come out there is a little bit more like one was saying like a protective sort of like oh if i'm not like oh, it could be like if i'm not out yet it, it doesn't affect me as much or if i'm by I don't think I ever had that feeling of like because I was bi, homophobia didn't bother me as much. But I definitely had the feeling before I was out of it maybe bothering me less the, the farther back in my history I go. So, yeah. Yeah, because I was just thinking about it as of like, like that idea of like, oh, like it's like almost like the idea of passing. Yeah. Like being like, oh, because you are bi and because you do like women, like, you can pass as a straight man so that kind of is like a weird like again not like a you personally are creating this defense but like your brain itself is being like doing some like backwards fucking jumping jacks being like exactly oh hey we can defend ourselves this way because yeah well i think that's you're not that's why that like stereotype like in the community of like coming out as bi exists like but then later identifying as lesbian or gay because i think for a lot of people they think of like this is easier to come out as because it's like a cushion yeah like if you're yeah if you're coming out to like your parents who probably have had this like heteronormative idea of like if you're a man you're gonna get a girlfriend you're gonna marry her you'll have kids and it's easier to come out to them and say i'm bi so that that fantasy that they have doesn't fully go away that there's still like a 50 percent chance of that technically um so I think okay, for a but lot let's of be people, honest. They, is there... <laughs> I said technically, um, <laughs> but I think for a lot of people, that's what they think. They think that's, I mean, like we'll get it into it in your episode one, but yeah. like you, you said it yourself, you came out as bi um, and like several other people have done that and they don't intend to like harm the bi community at mm-hmm. all. It's just like, sometimes they do really just think they are bi and then. Like, I know yeah. there's a YouTuber I like who has ad- identified as bi for years, and she just came out and said, like, oh. no, I'm a lesbian, so. Wow. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, I'm like, is it the fact that they want you to marry a woman or the fact that they want grandchildren? Oh, yeah, yeah, And it's yeah. this whole, like, baby cycle. Yeah. What truly is it in the brain that <laughs> yeah. is, like, is it really, like, oh, hey, my my, my kid won't have a, 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 a wife, or is it, like, my kid won't have a child? Yeah. <laughs> What's the ultimate fear? Yeah, the baby fever. 
I know. Yeah. I think it's that. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then Nathan, I had one little question. Yeah. Do you feel comfortable, like, because a lot of people reclaim the F word, like, do you feel comfortable using it or like around other queer people using it? Or is it kind of like a, like a thing that you don't really. I would, I would totally, with? I would respect anybody in the queer community using it. I, like personally, I don't like using it just because like, to me, it just feels, it feels too weaponized for me to reclaim myself. Mm. Um, do you think that's because you are bisexual or do you think you would feel that way even if you only maybe, identified it, as it, I mean it could have to do with being bisexual maybe like maybe if I if I identified as I mean who knows what my perspective would be if I identified as gay if I knew in my heart that I was and like maybe from that perspective I wouldn't even want other people in the queer community to use it um, but but yeah personally like I wouldn't mind like if there were like a queer comedian who was doing stand up and they were like calling themselves that or something, I wouldn't necessarily be too worried about it. But like if Dave Chappelle, Dane Cook. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, oh, no, Dane yeah. Cook is the perfect example. Keep that one. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, well, I just said yeah, Dave like, Chappelle because I know Nathan has had yeah, thoughts about recent Dave Chappelle stand up. Yeah. His like, yeah, the like he's like his standup has been so progressive in some ways from his own perspective, but he still has like major transphobia happening and can't seem to shake it. Um, even if he's, well, I'm going to be very clear and not know and tell you guys that I don't know who Dave is. <laughs> okay. So that's why I said, Oh, Dane Cook, keep that one. I know that one. <laughs> Did you see a star is born? He's in a star is born. Yeah. Who? Did you no, at least see the trailer seen a for Star a Star Is Born? Because he's he in a the, Star Is Born. Where he goes. All I know is he's wearing oh, a hat. <laughs> he was kind of. Everyone's wearing a hat. He's kind of a trope. It's, it's a country he was a music. Total trope in Star Is Born too. He oh, was really? like the wise, like the wise black friend who has the wisdom for the for the white. Okay, friend. I'm. Oh, he was. I'm vaguely seeing him yeah. in my mind's eye. Yeah. <laughs> um. He's not the one who looks at the limo and he's like, I just want to get it. Look look at it. <laughs> okay, I know. <laughs> I know that's not him. I've been watching Bojack Horseman lately and there's there was a joke. They have so many good um just jabs at people. Like they just I just watched one that where they jabbed at like Brian Singer and Kevin Spacey. Um good. but there was one where uh Bradley or uh Mr. Peanut Butter, who's a, like a golden retriever. Uh, he, he's just, he's trying to like distract people and he's like, oh, look, it's Bradley Cooper. Like we like him for some reason. <laughs> I just thought that was really good. Also, Nathan, have you seen that show at all? No, I've never, surprisingly, I've never seen it. I know I should cause it sounds amazing. Uh, they, cause it takes place in LA. They have a lot of like puns based on like famous, like LA places, like instead of shed, cause it's, it's also like, you know, like anthrop more what's it called Pomorphic. yes anthropomorphic animals and humans like living together um yeah and so like a lot of the restaurants or like places will be like animal themed so like instead of chateau marmot it's like chateau marmoset or Ooh, I like that instead of the arc light theater it's the bark light theater <laughs> so they have a lot of things like that which are funny anyways oh um is there okay. also a, Anyways, back is to there the a queer that's... character on Bojack? Didn't you tell me there was before? Yeah, that's the reason I've been like yeah. I I watched like a couple episodes when it had first come out uh back in like 2014 or so. Yeah. But and then I've always been wanting to catch up with it because yeah, at the end of season 3 
the character Todd, which Aaron Paul voices, um, like realizes he's asexual and like he oh, actually yeah. starts to use the label in like season season four and on. So yeah, I've been watching it recently, mostly for that. But even then, yeah. there's other queer characters on there. Like, who would have thought that Aaron. Breaking Bad's Aaron Paul would be an ace? Yeah, s- sort of ace icon. <laughs> um. Okay. Anyways, enough about Bojack. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so you talked about like your childhood, how you know, like a lot of guys were homophobic. Homophobic. Um. What was the general like attitude towards queer people like? in your childhood environment, like in your house, in the media at the time that like you were growing up in school. Yeah. I, I would say that it's like, um, I feel like my, my mom, I never, um, I never perceived like a trace of homophobia. I think she's always been pretty, um, like progressively open and she identifies as bisexual too. And, and actually, and she's been married four times. My dad was the third husband and then my stepdad is the fourth. Um, and her second husband was gay, realized he was gay while they were married. And so I think that's part of why, you know, her like awareness has always been better, but there was definitely some homophobia with my dad. And I think it's, it follows a trajectory that I notice a lot just because I think about generations a lot and I, observe boomers a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i feel like there's a there's a common trajectory with the boomer generation sort of that like the progressivism that they have about like race and about um economic like class warfare and stuff like that sort of never applied to queerness sort of like the homophobia hung around longer until they realized that that was wrong too And so, like, my dad, generally, like, a very liberal, progressive guy in other ways, but I feel like he was pretty homophobic and not not in the aggressive use of the F word kind of way, but, like, a specific instance that I remember, and I even wrote, like, a poem about it in the poetry book where I came out. Um, Mm -hmm. There was an instance I remember doing that kind of, like, classic uh father and son kind of thing where i was just kind of trying to like emulate him as a kid and i remember being in his bathroom and he had this aftershave skin bracer that's like the green kind that smells like shit (laughs) and he i was like putting it i was like slapping it on my face even though i was obviously too young to shave just because i liked the the smell of it and i remember that um i must have just been like finishing like i had taken a shower or whatever and and I remember like he was and he was in a wheelchair and so he was like, like wheeled in to get something or whatever. And I remember he like noticed my fingernails and they were like a little longer. And he was like, you need to trim your fingernails or people will think you're gay. And th- I, I just that sticks out as like a clear memory of like the first time I ever remember someone stigmatizing in some mm-hmm. kind of way, I think was from him even before I heard anything from like from guy friends. Um, And so, yeah, like that's think that's my earliest memory of it and i would have been like 10 years old or something then um it's so strange how like random like straight men will turn like anything into like a don't do this or you'll look like such and such like it's so weird that like even like the smallest little thing yeah can be very much like like i i this is something that i can even talk about on my episode but like um i remember going to the store and this woman like in the store this was before quarantine oh my god 
Um, you you were frozen, and now you're moving at a high speed to catch up Whoa. with yourself. Oh, God. Happened. It was weird. <laughs> um, but um, uh, this woman was just, like, in the store with her kid. They were in line. We were about to check out. This was before quarantine. And, like, she, like, yelled at her kid because she's like, why are you running like that? And he's, he's like, I'm just running. And she's like, don't do that. And I knew exactly what it was because uh. I saw him running. And I, like, immediately, like, in my head, I was like, <gasps> like, everything, like, I have never felt more defensive for myself and, like, wanting to literally outright yell at this woman at the same time. Like, being, like, like, it was such a weird, it was such a weird thing. But, like, yeah. it's so strange that, like, it isn't. Like just, and that was the first time I've ever seen someone do it in public too. Where I'm like, so it's it's so strange to me that it isn't just like a a one off from like one person. It's like everybody's like father, or mother, or random stranger does that where they like aren't clear to their kid as to what's happening. It's surprising that your your dad even said like you'll look gay. Yeah, I would have thought he would have said like you'll look like a woman or something yeah. like that, which is yeah. what my dad used to say to me. Because it kind of suggests that yeah, like I feel like some of the some of the homophobia manifests in like superstitions that are just crazy that are just like random observations that have like one plus one equals three type stuff like like mm-hmm. why that like why long fingernails or whatever mm-hmm. Ex- yeah that's the weirdest thing yeah <laughs> because let me be honest i've seen some straight men that don't cut their fingernails and they're disgusting they're really right and i'm over here like <laughs> like open toe sandal guys like yeah. that kind of <laughs> thing yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> well and that's why how dare you bring up this trauma like there's that whole meme that's like fellas is it gay to blank like even during this like virus it's like those articles that are like like men are afraid to wear masks like because they feel it's like emasculating and then people are tweeting like fellas is it gay to be alive like (laughs) yeah (laughs) like because it really is like a lot of the time rooted in like toxic masculinity because people are raised to like like boys are raised to like not be feminine because that's some dirt on it. Is it weaker. gay to survive a pandemic? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh so and then people at school, he said, so it was mostly guys being homophobic. Totally, yeah. Um, I remember an instance. Oh, and actually, this this was um, this was. Bo- uh, I mean, you know, these would have been people who firmly identify as men and women. So I don't mind saying both genders in this case. Um, but I remember a a gym class incident in like teenage years where, um, and this again is kind of like the fingernails thing where it's so random, but, but it's obviously coming from a place of homophobia, even though it's, um, it's not exactly what they said. Were you Um, wearing long socks? No, but, (laughs) but that would be even funnier to me. I was like, it was around the time, um, it was around the time in like the NBA that Grant Hill was like a big NBA player. And oh, he is this wore about like short shorts. No, but oh. but it's kind of like that. This he wore like filas. That was like the kind of shoe that he like endorsed oh, okay. or whatever. And like oh, so, like the like the his like filas were like really hot then, and I like wanted to be cool. So I like went to the mall with my dad, and this is funny. It's kind of like funny about him because of him having like that fingernails thing before, but he was just so aloof. Um, we got like the girl versions without realizing it uh. and i wore them to gym class and like the cool kids like knew that they were the girl versions and so like these kids like the bullies of gym class were like you got like the girl shoes on ha 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 and like and you know deep down even though they're not saying like you got the girl shoes on dot 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 we think you're gay 
Like yeah, that's that's, that's still the place it's coming from. The idea of like yeah. you defied a gender norm and that makes you not normal and we're gonna just assume you're gay then. Mm-hmm. And being gay is are not normal in our eyes and all that stuff. So it's you should have just responded with like these have more comfort. What now? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> these are orthopedic. In fact, I'm literally right now I'm wearing technically the girl version of like Skechers like walking shoes that are way more comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, some bullshit. Kids. <laughs> <laughs> Girls are like, we don't have pockets. Men are like, we don't have comfortable shoes. <laughs> um, you mentioned like Elton John and Freddie Mercury, like growing up and realizing, like seeing them as queer people in the media. But yeah. like, when was the first time you ever learned about queer people existing, whether that's like gay people, trans people, bi people, whoever? And it could be, like, people in your life, like you were talking about your mom, or, like, people in the media. Um, I think it's probably still, well, two two things happen around the same time. It's kind of interesting timing. Um, Okay, so, so we all love, like, the Lion King soundtrack. And, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I think it was, I think that was the first cassette I ever, like, asked for. Um, whenever that would have been like 94 or or something. Um, and there was this year in between living with my mom in Erie PA and then moving to Harrisburg PA with my dad and living with him like full time. There was a year in between where my mom and I moved into this like farmhouse with this guy she was dating in like the boonies outside of Erie PA. And, um, and he had a daughter and a son and I shared a bedroom with his son. And this is something that I kind of didn't even put together as like abuse um, for a long time. And I totally don't like I'm very comfortable talking about it. But um, the son at one point like like kind of made a pass at me mm-hmm. and like and like touch. It wasn't like a like a bad touch, bad touch, but kind of like just like caressed me in a way that was weird. Mm hmm. And and I and that was the same year that I remember getting the like the Lion King cassette and like um, I was like old enough to like read like whatever, like read like magazines and stuff at least. And I remember like like learning about like Elton John's the guy that wrote the songs on that. And I probably would have heard songs of his earlier in like the 80s as like a little kid. But (laughs) that would have been like the first time maybe like age 12 or something of like um i think it was him probably that i first learned mm-hmm. was gay and like what it meant to be gay and that was like a year or two before like the boy scout camp like sort of realization um but th- those two things both happened in like the same year of each other like like learning who elton john was because of hearing that soundtrack and having that weird moment happen with my almost stepbrother like step yeah. and and like not putting it together until years later that that was like a f- technically abuse. But um, in the moment, definitely putting together like, oh, this is like a guy being attracted to guy. So that's a thing that like hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize that that could be a thing. And then you start like kind of contemplating more and more, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so did you see any queer representation in the media, like, growing up? Like, is there a character on 
TV or in movies that yeah, you can remember being the first I'm one? Tr- I'm trying to think what would have been the first. Like, I'm sure it was like... I mean, you've kind of already said, like, Elton John was, like, your first, like... <laughs> right. Well, and I think in terms of, like, seeing, Musical media. In terms of, like, visual media, I feel like... And it's maybe, like, unfortunate because it's, like, such a... Um, you know, it perpetuated some stereotypes, but it was probably, like, The Birdcage. Yeah. I think would have been the first movie. Because um, I'm trying to think, like, when I started... <laughs> okay, like, I watched Chasing Amy... Mm-hmm. With my mom and stepdad, yeah, when I was like thirteen, when I was like thirteen or fourteen, mm-hmm. which was hella awkward, and because you um, didn't know that it was about like a lesbian. Yeah, I don't think I even knew the premise of the movie, and I definitely didn't know that it was going to get as graphic as like her like Talking teaching Ben Affleck like, what fisting means. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> <laughs> and so like the thirteen-year-old scandal. Yeah, with like. With like fifty something step, fifty something mom and sixty something stepdad in the room, like um, so so like yeah, I think Birdcage would have been first, and then probably Chasing Amy. Mm-hmm. And what is Birdcage? Birdcage is the, yeah, and like um, Nathan Lane, and like they and they they both very much like like swish in the movie, and so like it was. I feel like it was like for a lot of probably like normies would have been like the first time of like watching like a like a gay character at least in 90s movies that I can think is there is there a gay character in clueless yes I'm trying there to is. think now there is right yes Christian who is it Christian right. the like new kid that share because she's clueless that's the that's the whole story she's clueless that's right she yeah she has a crush on him and she like makes a pass at him and yeah. she's trying to like hit on him and he's constantly like we're friends, right? Oh, and I remember I remember um in like that era of SNL, there was mm-hmm. like a sketch with Chris Farley in it. Do you remember this where like um he oh, fuck, who's the other person? Chris Farley and someone else, they go to like a pool or something and like the there's like Chippendales guys there. That sounds it's vague, like, vaguely familiar. Yeah, and it's like, and they're not. I remember the Chippendale sketch with Kef, with. Well, with that's him, with yeah, yeah, Patrick sure. Swayze is that famous one. That's what, and different. they like, and they wherever this one is with like Chris Farley and someone, it was kind of like surprisingly woke for the day because it was like it was made to be like a beer commercial where mm-hmm. like at that like really objectifying women and guys being like, oh wow, look at her. So they literally do that like looking at the guys like in the pool. And it was like kind of like surprisingly like progressive for for like ninety two or whatever that would have been. But I remember that being one of the first things I saw too. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing like queer ish thing I can think about from like that era of SNL was when there was like It's Pat. Oh yeah. Which like they debatably it's never, problematic. It, yeah, like. <laughs> it's very problematic, and it's obviously it's never said if they're like queer what it was just that they were very androgynous and yeah the whole joke is that all these people around them like are uncomfortable and they don't know what to call this person you're you're being charitable even giving pat they them pronouns because (laughs) the creators wouldn't be that progressive (laughs) yeah um but and then can you remember like like seeing even if it was like within the past few years like seeing bisexual representation in the media definitely way less and and like whatever i would have seen would have been again i think like reinforcing the like experimenting stereotype Mm -hmm. 
Um, fuck, I can't. I'm trying to think of specific instances. Like, I know for me, like, the first time I ever heard the term bisexual was in the movie Dodgeball. Oh. Colon, a true underdog story. Um, Who's the the character? It's Christine, what's her name? Christine Taylor. Oh. Ben Stiller's, like, like, ex-wife. Right. And she's always in. Oh, because at the end, Yeah, at the end of the movie. I remember watching this movie. We were at, like, my aunt's aunt and uncle's house and like my whole family was watching this and like cousins for some reason i don't think we went over there to watch a movie but we ended up watching dodgeball and i like loved the movie and everything i thought it was so funny and at the end um because the whole running joke is that um one character keeps telling vince vaughn like oh she's a lesbian because she's really good at sports basically yeah She, she can throw a dodgeball and at the end, Ooh, a sport. she <laughs> at the end when they're all celebrating because they win. That's a spoiler for Dodgeball, a movie that came out in the 2000s. But um, sucks her, to suck if you didn't see it. If you Got didn't spoiled. see it, bummer. Like her like <laughs> girlfriend or partner or someone um, comes down and is like celebrating with her and she kisses her. And then Vince Vaughn sees that and his friend says, like, I told you she was a lesbian. And then she overhears that and then walks over to him and says, I'm not a lesbian, I'm bisexual, and then kisses Vince Vaughn. So that was also... Interesting. It was very, like, she'll, like, make out with anyone. Right. Well, And and also kind of the connotation of, like, hey, back up, I'm not gay. Yeah. Like, that would be weird. I'm just bisexual. Like gross and, like, yeah. Yeah. But I remember, I think I asked, like, my brother probably, I was like, like, right then and there, I was like, what does that mean? Because I hadn't heard that before. Oh, wow. It's so wild because to me, it's like anytime I've seen like a bisexual character, it's always been a woman. Yeah. That's and like very, maybe like once I've only ever maybe seen a man be like the bisexual character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's and like I always think about it this way when it's like, like the fact that there are more like, uh, like uh, gay movies orientated towards women instead of men, where it's like, it's it's because that weird for thing women, of like it's hot. women will go see it at, yeah right, because kind of we, it's like a weird like kink for like straight men to watch yeah and so they would be like oh you're telling me like not only do they get down with each other but they still like guys too that's hottest of all like mm-hmm. that kind of yeah. crap yeah like I remember in um I think the first time I ever thought about that like the notion of that like being a lesbian is sexier to like the straights than being a gay man. I remember in Chasing Amy, I think it's the first moment I ever like thought about that notion watching that movie because, um, uh, shoot, what's that actor's name who plays, um, who, um, Joey Lauren his name? Oh, no, it's, it's the one who's like Ben Affleck's friend in the movie, mm, mm-hmm. uh, but, but he, but he's um he's gay and black and so he's explaining like i'm a minority of a minority in a minority i'm a black man i'm a gay black man and i'm a gay black man of the swishiest variety i think is the way that he says it like in the line or whatever um and talking about that whole notion of that like like the first thing i I think it would have been the first time i ever realized oh hey there are sometimes even conflicts within the queer community between like maybe gay men sometimes resenting gay women for that cultural sort of lenience that there is of like, Oh, it's hotter or sexier to be a gay mm-hmm. woman. Um, yeah. I know like in recent years, at least like there's been 
I've seen two like bisexual men on TV recently. And like that to me, I was like, whoa, to hear on the show Good Trouble, there's a bisexual character named Gael and like mm. uh, he fully like says the word bisexual, which it like seemed like unheard of. I don't know, like who the first yeah. like bisexual to like say it on TV was, but I hadn't seen it really before. And then the new Roswell reboot, um, a character that was straight in the original one, uh, Michael is bisexual and he fully identifies as bisexual and says it. Wow. And like, yeah, to me, I was like, oh, dang, like the fact that that's shocking. And those happened within the past like couple of years. Yeah. That's kind of incredible that it's just now coming to media. And is Good Trouble, is that like a CBS show? Because that'd be actually even a little more impressive on like a um, CBS show. No, they're not like the small networks because Good Trouble is Freeform. Oh, uh, okay. And then Roswell is CW. But right. Good Trouble, like, especially has a lot of, like, like it talks about, like, so many things. It deals with, like, Black Lives Matter. It has non-binary yeah. characters. It has tran- trans characters and, like, yeah. talks about trans issues. Like, that that show surprised me because I just went into that show. Like, it's a spinoff of, like, The Fosters. And I just went in it because I liked one of the actresses because she was in a Disney Channel movie that yeah. one and I watched for the podcast. <laughs> And so I was a fan of her and then I went into it and I was like, oh, dang, this is this show like talks about like so many things that are like going on in society that are troubling. And I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. Um, But yeah, hopefully there's more like I can't think of a movie. Where there's like bisexual. Besides, like I said, dodgeball. Yeah. I can only think of ones where, like, I've seen people write about the where, like, it wasn't explicitly stated in the movie or the show, but I've seen people write, like, analyze and theorize mm-hmm. that someone is, like, even something really old. Like, I was, like, I watched the movie Gilda from like the '40s with Rita Hayworth on like Criterion Channel, and then I watched like an interview with Eddie Muller, who like runs the, does like the film noir segments on like Turner Classic Movies. And so, like, the last place you would expect to, like, hear someone talk about maybe, like, queer representation. Mm -hmm. And within, like, the first, like, few minutes of his interview, he's, like, states as fact. He's, like, Glenn Ford's character is bisexual in that movie and explains all of this stuff that even I was, like, you know, like, identifying that way wasn't really picking up on in the movie and kind of, like, cracked my head open about what I just watched, which was pretty amazing. So, like, so I've seen people talk about characters a lot in writing or in interviews but yeah like i struggle to even think of a movie i've seen where especially a a character identifying as a man has been Mm -hmm. like i'm bisexual yeah yeah um is queer representation in the media important to you oh definitely yeah um i i think it also extends uh, to me kind of like in my own like um my own way of like identifying as an ally and of like trying to, to be an ally that like the representation has meant more to me, the more again, kind of that human nature thing of like personal context, like the more people who've been in my life who have been somewhere on the spectrum of queer, especially if they don't identify the way I do, like, like you being, you know, my, my first friend that came out as asexual, Mm -hmm even though I've like, I guess I knew, I I guess I met one or two people who identified as ace before 
but they're um, not people who are like um, like who I would call friends. But like, um, yeah, it's it's come to mean more and more, especially in in recent years, because I just feel like again, it's like it's stuff that so often like would cost people nothing in their art, like whatever kind of art they do, like especially to to just the healthy aspect of like having characters who fulfill those kinds of representation and also at the same time their characters aren't just defined by that Mm -hmm. they're characters who are just characters who also Mm -hmm. are fulfilling that kind of representation which i think is like the healthiest kind of representation like a character who's in a wheelchair but it's not about him being in a wheelchair that kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah like Artie. like Artie from glee yep (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah because that was good that's good wheelchair representation for sure i remember like bringing that up with my dad because of him being paraplegic and that like he didn't like he was never going to watch glee but like he he thought it was cool that there was a character who was a paraplegic yeah that's cute too bad Artie sucks as a person (laughs) you mean in real life (laughs) no like the character in real life he's like he's well now he's like an out gay man and he's I love oh, the good. Glee cast members, uh, like him and the character that or the actress that played Tina have like a podcast now, and they've they've talked oh, yeah. a lot about how ridiculous that show got over time, <laughs> as most Ryan Sorry. Murphy shows tend to do. I was just gonna say, like Ryan Murphy just doesn't know how to write for shit. Yeah. He just he does. <laughs> I think he's a good producer for nothing on, else. <laughs> things kind of taper off, but he's yeah, he's not a, he's not a good showrunner. He should yeah. be like one of the writers on a show or something. If, or just producer. Yeah, or just like produce. he gets credit for the idea, but then he's like, all right, you write it. Yeah, you get yeah. the you Emmy, write it and I'll approve it. <laughs> we're going to write it. Yeah, like, like, but it's nice to see like those two Glee people talk about how like problematic the show was and how ridiculous it got and how they didn't like the storylines that went on the end. They're mm. like, no, we were rolling our eyes. That's like so many of these things that yeah. when we were doing like what what does the fox say we weren't having a good time like <laughs> obviously we know it's garbage that kind of thing. I've checked out after two seasons. I don't even know what happened. Yeah, I was the same way. Yeah, um, I went up to graduation. <laughs> I beat you guys. And there weren't any <laughs> bi characters on Glee, right? I don't think so. For a second, I was going to say Darren Chris's character, but I don't think I think no. he was gay. I don't think he was bi. Yeah, Darren Chris only the gay exclusively characters. plays gay characters. Yeah, <laughs> even though he's it's a in his contract. Man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, unless there was like later on in the seasons, I guess. I thought Brittany was a a bi character. Oh yeah, she oh, might be, but I don't. Yeah. I don't know if it's said. Yeah, because she dated Artie. She did and date Artie, dated. and then he called her stupid. And that's why he's garbage. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, enough about Artie. Um, going back to, like, high school, what was your sex education like? Because a uh, trend we're seeing when we talk about it on this podcast is that everything was heteronormative. Stri- yeah, and straight about garbage. Penetration, garbage. penis and vagina penetration. Yeah. And nothing like, else. Because, like, like, forget about... Even, yeah, like, as a given, heteronormative for sure. But even beyond that, just garbage about, like, proper understanding of anatomy. And, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> I just... Who's going to take the time? Yeah, I, and I just, I just feel like um, even the idea that, like, back then, like, they weren't even saying STIs. They were only saying STDs. STDs, yeah. Right. And, like, just little things like that that really aren't that little. But, um... 
but are just good examples of it just being pretty small town and pedestrian. Um, yeah, so certainly never had a moment in sex ed of like people being like, and let's not forget, like it's not just about the world of the straits and like, because um, mm-hmm. there are so many things that they could have been talking about using that as an opportunity to like educate about the history of like HIV all over the globe and specifically in America and like the negative stigmas associated with the queer community and the impact on the queer community and the trauma of it and Mm -hmm. everything. Cause that for me, that was, you know, like late nineties, early two thousands. And it would have been the ideal time to really uh, use that as a teachable moment. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's nothing like that. Well, because we don't even teach, like, we don't even teach consent. Right. When it comes to sex ed. Like, that's the thing that I've, like, thinking about that right now. It's like, I was never taught consent. Yeah. No. I knew I knew that, like, you should be polite. I mean, One, legit, I, I, I didn't mean, know. I was raised right. I was yeah. raised. <laughs> so or, I'm not over here raping people, but. No, like, Juan, we, we had to, we did, like, the consent training. Um, yeah, we, we did consent dorms, training that in was, college. Yeah, that wow, was the yeah. first time anyone had ever like sat me down and said like this is what consent is and like yeah this is what it looks like this is what it sounds like and that was yeah in college that was our sophomore year of college yeah which is it's so wild because like you would think that like the i mean sex ed happens what seventh grade sixth grade for some people when they actually start talking about sex i think it's yeah like seventh yeah seventh eighth so it's like it's so wild that it's not even like oh like i know of a couple people that like because it's like it's not even like how to protect yourself it's how to understand if it's right or wrong yeah you know what i mean like it's like oh like we're not teaching gay sex but what about like abuse right because like growing up like you don't know what looks like homosexual abuse or like a partner in a same-sex like partnership where it's like what does that look like because you'd have no idea of what it actually is supposed to be like right you know what i mean there's no realistic construct of like here's what it should look like. So when something is feels out of the norm, you you can't tell what that is until like way later when you're like, okay, that wasn't right. Yeah. Cause I think it even probably like for, for me, I just remember that the tone of it was very much. And at the time, um, I, I would have been, uh, already, I would have already had sexual experiences with my friend from boy scout camp. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> who's a year younger than me. And we went to the same school. So we were in school together too. And like, so I would have had my own awareness of, of where I was, but I don't think at the time I wouldn't have perceived this as being as problematic just because I feel like awareness of rape culture and like just the overall patriarchal structural type stuff. Wouldn't, I wouldn't have had so much awareness about that, but I just remember sex ed having very much this top down presentation of like, that patriarchal notion of like guys fuck girls get fucked Mm -hmm. like that sort of idea like women receive men give the sex Mm -hmm. and and this notion of like men being (laughs) taking the lead with it and everything and and how much that reinforces obviously the like really serious rape culture stuff about like men feeling like i have this theory that i've talked about with people before i feel like this has I'm not like trying to like toot my horn of being like wise, but I feel like this has like blown someone's mind when I've talked about it before, but just this notion. And it's, it's very much kind of like a mind fuck as, as a man identifying as bisexual, because 
there's like a toggling back and forth that happens. Um, but, the, but the theory that I've talked about is this idea that like part of the prevalence of gun culture in our society has a lot to do with the sort of toxic masculinity aspect of, of the training that boys get that their dick is literally a, a weapon that it's oh, like, a, that, that it's like a gun that you have a gun, you have a thing that shoots. And like, so like there's, so I'm talking, I mention it for like the notion of like what the tone of like sex ed felt like. And that it's all about like, you got to wrap up your like, cause the only thing I felt like they were progressive about is condoms mm-hmm. at that time. It's the only thing they like knew to talk about is like, all right. It's like that. It's like that scene in mean girls, like the gym yeah. teacher who's like, don't get, don't have sex. Or you will get chlamydia and die. All right. Everybody take some rubbers like out yeah. of the box. It felt like that. Yeah. And like, um, but in terms of experience as a, as a bisexual man, there's a, eventually over time the more comfortable i got with myself there's a weird kind of like toggling back and forth that you have to kind of um unlearn in a way and and in general i think straight guys need to be like unlearning this stuff too obviously so it's not just about like my unique experience but just this weird idea of like how your own like sex organs like you're taught for it to function a certain way if you're mm-hmm. having like a straight experience and then function a different way if you're having a gay experience or whatever, whatever kind of queer experience. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's a weird kind of like mind fuck that I remember thinking about a lot. The older I got, the more, the more years I kind of logged as like being bisexual in my own inner life and stuff before I came out. Um, and, and yeah, it's just weird. So that's, I f- and I feel like um, it's weird. It's like it's stuff that I want to unlearn. Um, I don't want to relish in the negative aspects of it. But also I think part of what gives me an inner confidence that I'm probably not on a journey towards identifying as gay, that I probably genuinely will always identify as bisexual, is that like the different roles that you feel in your sexuality, like if you're like in your like straight sexual part of your sexuality or your gay part of your sexuality as a bi person, some of it you want to unlearn and some of it I kind of enjoy. Like Mm -hmm. some, some of it is part of what part of the, I don't want to say kink because it's not just a kink to, to be attracted to a certain type of person or whatever, but like, um, it's like broader than that, but it's just like, it's part of like the fun of like sexuality in like a healthy way too, that it's just like what people need from each other in various kind of like dynamics and stuff, the, the non-toxic parts of it, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you brought up that you have this whole idea of like gun culture and like sex because there, there are a bunch of like, not a bunch, but I've heard of a couple of like horror movie like theory books where it's like oh uh like horror and sexuality where a lot of the like the villains the male villains specifically because a lot of horror movie villains are male yeah like the slasher flick ones do like attribute their weapon as their as like a sex pleasure which also goes back to like serial killer uh theory where it's like oh a lot of serial killers didn't do it because they just wanted to kill they did it because it gave them like a sexual relief yeah like from that whole like, whole situation like, mixed so up the two it's very yeah, it's all very, it's very hand in hand in a very like broad spec like 
I do, yeah, I do agree with you where it's like, oh, yes, yeah, st- like, specifically, like, toxic masculine men really do believe, like, their their guns are their, like, weird sexual, Extra like, releases, whatever, like, and I'm like, oh, yeah. There's, yeah. there's yeah. just, like, when people are, when men are, like, so straight like that, and, like, <laughs> no, you know when, like, men are so straight <laughs> that they have the men. <laughs> their, like, like, their truck is, like, girls in bikinis on their, like, right. the decals, or, like, oh my those, God, like, yes. weird things that hang down are supposed to look like testicles for your truck right oh they're ugh. not weird things they're literally balls but i don't know what like the yeah. purpose Metal. of those is except to just be like i'm yeah. super straight and like was raised in a toxic environment yeah. and, and they always I have, have that like i mean i've always said it they always have that sticker of calvin from calvin and hobbs peeing like, on peeing. T- yeah what is the deal <laughs> what is with those? that because i know the creator of Calvin and the Hobbs uh, like hates those. I'm sure, like, yeah. And I, I doubt he gets like. And I doubt that like, they're into pee. Right? Yeah. Not they into pee be stuff. So only, only yeah, Donnie. Those are such <laughs> weird things. Like, yeah. oh, I'm pissing on something, and then there's like, like we gotta have like bikinis. The people that like, <laughs> it amazes me what people put on their cars. Pop off. Yeah. So often, like. <laughs> There's that car. I kind of missed seeing this car on my drive just because it would make me laugh every time. But there's that car I would like Instagram because I would always see it on my way home from work that um, it would say like, uh, well, there's a couple different ones I've seen that I guess are just around where I work and in my neighborhood ish area. But the, I know there's one that says like, if the. It's something about like how like it might I put my truck up higher so that like the fatties can't get in or something. It didn't make any sense. And there was like They're right, I can't get yeah. in. <laughs> Mostly because I don't know how to get in and out of cars, but like that's <laughs> not part of the issue here. And then there's some that are just very like pro gun. Um Ugh. and there's some that are, there's that one sticker. I took a photo and I remember Nathan, you messaged me like, why is this something that someone put on a car? It was something about yeah. like Rosie O'Donnell or like Whoopi Goldberg or something and like I'm sure I have a photo of it like in my like on my computer somewhere but just the things that people like it's like someone watched the view one time and got so mad it's like die, they ma- bought this die mad maybe like <laughs> and so for me like I know like like I put like a bunch of like liberal stickers on my car because I was just kind of fed up with seeing so many like Trump yeah. stickers or just stickers like that where they're like so hateful of something that I was like, yeah. okay, I'm just I want to make people angry too. Then so I'll just yeah do this and put <laughs> you'll all these, do the opposite. Yeah, I'll just yeah, put really yeah. liberal ones and see like yeah because they're probably in their car going, oh, why would you have a like a a stop abortion ban sticker? Blah blah blah. Right. And there's like, yeah, there's like a station wagon in the Dayton area of Ohio that has like photos of like aborted fetuses all over there. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. There's Juan and I have been saying like we've been seeing a lot more. <laughs> I mean, not now because we're not going anywhere. But for a while, like I was seeing so many pro-life stickers on cars yeah. between pro-life and then like Blue Lives Matter. I've just been seeing those pop yes. up way more. And I'm like, oh, so we're not getting more liberal in this state. Like we're still yeah. very much a red state. Every time I drive and I see one of those little fucking American flags with the little blue line, I want to rear end the car so bad. (laughs) I want to just floor it and not stop. Oh, you did just remind me, though, that at least at least in your state, she is she is she certainly seems more and more like an outlier. But you do have a bisexual senator. Yeah, we do. Kristen Sinema. Yeah. What? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, 
Yeah, I do like her. And then I remember, like, I keep seeing these commercials for, like, Martha McSally, and I'm like, go fuck yourself. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> I hate awesome. you so much. Anyways, um, did you, I mean, you mentioned that you did. So, like, when did you come out to your family and close friends, and what was their reaction? I did, I did it Pride Month of 2018. So coming up Q on two years. anniversary. Two-year anniversary. And um, I did it in person with my mom and my sister who were both and they were and they were like, I expected them. I knew that they would be cool about it, but I I expected them to to sense it already and to be mm-hmm. like, I kind of figured, but they but they didn't. They did at least have an aspect. So maybe you could say it's like they were maybe like 98% cool and like 2% problematic. And the 2% problematic was that they were just the level of surprise mm-hmm. that they were. Cause to me, surprise is still kind of maybe like a, like maybe a cushioned, like subtle way of reacting negatively. It's like a little bit of homophobia jumping out just slightly, just at the surprise level. I mean, like it. they were just going along with like the hetero, Right. Like norm of just being like right not like realizing. oh i'm surprised you did a not normal yeah. move or whatever yeah and so but generally they were very cool with it so i did it in person with them and um and the only family that i have that i felt like needed to like be confronted with it in a way where it's like i'm gonna put this in your face because i know you're weird about it is honestly my um uh and i don't even care that i would be kind of like calling him out in this a little bit (laughs) but like um my sister has four boys so i have four nephews two Mm -hmm. that are like in their early 20s now both like college age and then two that are still kids um like becoming teenagers and um the younger two i feel like they have enough like gen z in them that i'm like not too worried about them in this regard um just because they like, they're it's just much more prevalent to like be queer in any in any yeah. kind of way, like on the spectrum of being queer. But and for the older two, like my oldest nephew is is very like um, hard left, like hard left and progressive. And then um, my second oldest nephew sort of went the other direction. He's a little more conservative, and he's definitely I've I've seen I've had moments of him having kind of like an ew gay kind of mm-hmm. reaction to things um, and, and didn't say anything about it in like the beginnings of noticing it, but like now would if I, if I noticed it. And so like, I felt like that was like a specific person in my not day to day life. Cause I don't, I didn't see them every day when I was in Ohio then, but like saw regularly enough that I was like, I would like to be out in front of this person. In mm-hmm. a in a way that sort of confronts it, um, but yeah, with with my sister and mom, they were totally like easygoing and not and really didn't get weird for the most part. And then did my thing on like Instagram came out, and that was where I would have done it for like all the friends. And and that was like when you released your poetry book, right? Yeah, and yeah, and so I technically like wrote it in the poetry book before like doing like a post on social media. And it was around and it was before that book came out. And so then when the book came out, it was kind of like, and this is where I wrote about it first. And Mm -hmm. you can read that now, kind of like when I initially talked about it. And I and I came out in a poem that was like reflecting on the earliest sexual experiences with my friend Kevin, who was the one from Boy Scout camp. Mm -hmm. And um, 
and uh, th- and there's more interesting stuff to talk about with Kevin too. But um, yeah, in terms of like the overall like friend community, um, nobody was weird. Again, I think the only negative experiences I've had telling anyone that I was bisexual are still, um, like I said, just like a few straight women on dating apps who mm-hmm. have like reacted to it by questioning it and and deciding in their minds that it was experimenting and that I didn't they wanted to kind of take the identification away from me um they felt they had the right to I guess and um yeah in terms of the friend group nobody was outwardly weird the only thing I'll say with like specific friends is that like I feel like in all my years identifying publicly as a straight guy and sort of like living as a straight guy despite like what I knew about myself um there in in younger days like there would have been a lot more like locker room talk between guys about like experiences with girls Mm -hmm. and and I started to get like less and less comfortable with that and just kind of like would like remove myself from conversations that started up like that or I would just kind of like not give back in a way that would like signify that I wasn't like into like talking about the down and dirty like here's what I did with this girl blah 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 type talk um and so like I have one friend um Jason my engineer Mm -hmm. (laughs) who's been on like my like live sessions like recorded like a lot of my music over the years and like we didn't really we always had like just a professional relationship for years and years and then in like 2015 when I was doing my like Coyote Hours album with him back in Harrisburg it was sort of like the last time that I spent time in Harrisburg and like um we started like doing these like commentary tracks for other albums and we would like drink whiskey while we were doing it. And like in between like doing these commentaries, he started to like tell me about like sexual conquests and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we started to like have more of a tone of like locker room talk that we never really had before. And so like he definitely is on my social media and has certainly seen me talk about coming out and like knows that I'm out, knows that I'm bisexual and like he'll still like message me once in a while and like talk about like some kind of like sexual escapade in a way that's like that feels like it like it's not it's never anything that's like bad or makes me so uncomfortable that I'm like don't talk to me about this stuff but it's just kind of interesting to me that like he didn't it didn't make him change gears like maybe it's a good thing maybe that's his way of like being accepting that it's like oh you're out but like I'm not gonna like talk to you any differently than I ever did before as long as I don't think you're uncomfortable with it Mm -hmm. so maybe it's not really a bad thing but I've like questioned it sometimes and been like is he like like did he not hear me come out like does he not know that I'm like maybe that I'm not the same like I don't talk this as the same type of guy that I did when I was younger I don't know and then what about so the conservative nephew (laughs) did he did he say anything or does he just kind he of like keep his mouth shut now? He didn't he didn't say anything when I came out. I think he was on my Instagram and like would have seen it. He he certainly like they like they like talk. Like my sister always like talks with her kids a lot and I feel like they have like a good like mother child relationship of like being open about stuff. Like I know my oldest nephew like talks about like sex stuff with with her in a way that I have never been comfortable with talking to my mom about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like as open as they are with each other, there's probably been at least one converse. Like when I did that, there was probably a conversation between them of like, so uncle Nathan is 
bisexual? Like, I didn't know that, blah, blah, blah. So I don't really know, like, how that conversation would have gone if that occurred between them. But, yeah, he's never... He didn't say anything either way at the time. I just knew at the time from talking to my oldest nephew and him talking about being frustrated with his brother about like the homophobia he was noticing. It was around the time that I came out and I remember talking to Alex is my oldest nephew. I remember talking to him and being like, well, I'm going to, well, we'll see what he says when I do this. Cause like, I dropped this bomb. Yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, how has your perception of love and relationships changed for you as a bisexual person, if it has at all? Ooh, that's a good that's a good question, and I and I I appreciate the question because you know I I feel like that does go against the stigma of like bi's are all about the sex, they're just about the uh, they just want to fuck anything that moves. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's um it's definitely made me think about um. <laughs> It's made me check internalized homophobia and made me check outward moments of being homophobic myself when I was younger because specifically with Kevin, I remember that, okay, so we hooked up with each other off and on from like, like I said, I was about 13, I think, in like the first experience, like literally away in a tent at Boy Scout camp literally like like sucking each other's dicks in a tent mm-hmm. as boy scouts like so started like maybe like age 13 or whatever um and he was like a year younger than me and then um i think the last time we ever hooked up it was in philly because we both went to temple university in philly it was the first place i went to school before i dropped out and um i think it was yeah, like t- 2002. So so like like first for me first year of college cuz I started like a year late. Um and I remember in in teenage years when we were still in grade school, I don't think either of us ever did anything with another I know I didn't do anything with another guy and I don't think he ever did. Um but then in college, he started to explore a little bit deeper than I was willing to at the time. And I was still kind of maintaining at that time. I, I knew that I, in my, in my mind, I identified as bisexual, but I was keeping it sexual. I wasn't looking at it as like a romantic part of my life. It was mm-hmm. like, I knew that I was attracted to guys in a sexual way. And I knew that I liked doing sex stuff with guys but I wasn't willing to date a guy or mm-hmm. like be romantic with a guy. And I remember at the time I had like an ew reaction to him telling me that he went on a literal date with a guy where, where it didn't even like, like they didn't even do anything really sexual. I think he said that it ended with them like making out on his bed. And I remember like being homophobic about the idea that he was like going for a guy in a way that wasn't sexual, that it was like, I want to literally have like a cute date with a Mm -hmm. guy. Um, and so like in more recent years, especially once I came out two years ago, because it wasn't until I came out that I was like, okay, like when I'm on dating apps and granted, like I didn't really use them until this year. Um, other than for like a hot minute, I'd like tried dating apps in like 2015 for a minute and I only would have been like talking to girls. And then 
I think when I came out, I was like briefly on the apps in Ohio, but like Ohio is such a fucking mess that I just immediately was turned off. I was yeah. like, I mean, you don't know if you're going to get a killer. Or right. Not. Exactly. And it's not just that murder capital, of the world. not just that, but like might, you might get somebody who's doing those weird mental gymnastics of being out, but being like a hardcore Trump supporter. And it's like, I don't even understand yeah. the mental gymnastics. Those are so scary. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And so, like, so I might have been on them for a minute, but I was like, fuck this. So it wasn't really until this year that I even had the opportunity to, like, put myself as bisexual, like, on my profile on a dating app. Um, So, like, so, yeah, like, I remember in recent years, like, thinking back to instances like that and being like, okay, now I understand a whole new level, a whole new level of the homophobia where I was, like, thought I was accepting in my own way in my mind but I was still keeping bisexual as like a sexual thing. I wasn't mm-hmm. like making it a romantic love type of thing. Like I wasn't even allowing for the possibility of that. Whereas he was, he was, Kevin was, and, and there might even, even have been some weird like jealousy there of like, not, and not even jealousy. It's weird. It's like an extra layer of the homophobia, not even jealousy personally of like, he picked a guy to date that wasn't me. But a weirder kind of jealousy of like he's like getting further in his bisexuality than I yeah. am, and I'm like not there yet or whatever, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And, he, and as far as I know, he still identifies. I think he's always identified as bisexual. He's married to a woman and has a kid, mm-hmm. and so his life is much more like normy than than even mine now. But as as far as I know, he has always identified that way. So. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, has your gender expression changed at all over the years? Maybe since identifying as bisexual. I th- um, I've always, I've always felt firmly he him, and I've never had like any um, questioning of it. I think the only like cuz again like i feel like even just the word experimentation almost kind of gives me a jolt nowadays because of the stigma associated with like bisexuality so like i'm hesitant i'm hesitant to call anything i ever did like experimentation but i do think that if i ever did like experiment with something just in the in those initial years of like hooking up with Kevin and like starting to like identify as bisexual one kind of experimental thing i did that kind of like played with gender norms a little bit and it's it's really the only time i have um well and there's one other thing i'll bring up but this one thing the only thing i identify kind of as experimentation is that um for one for like a hot minute in like 7th grade I think I I think I did it like two or three times. Um, I started to like play around a little bit with like cross dressing mm-hmm. with like where and not even specifically like a whole getup, but like the idea of like because actually it's funny it happened like in my dad's house and it was just me and him, so there weren't like lady cl- lady clothes lying around, but I guess I found clothes. It must have just been because he was just traveling with his whole life to Harrisburg. And so there were just like boxes and boxes of shit lying around. So there were clothes that I felt like were his, but maybe like looked more quote unquote feminine to me. And I remember like putting on like sweaters or putting on things to me that like felt feminine and kind of like being turned on by the idea of like 
thinking of thinking of that as womanly. Um, mm-hmm. And it didn't really last. Like it didn't linger beyond kind of just a season of, of doing that. Um, but the only other thing I can say that I think also is something I wasn't really comfortable with even talking about out loud until like maybe my 30s is um, like I've always been like a little bit chubby and part of my chubbiness has always been like man boobs. Like I've always had stuff up here. There's always been chub up here. And so like um, in in like middle school years around the same time that I got bullying for like the, the female version of the Grant Hill Filas in gym class, mm-hmm. I also would occasionally get shit from people for like having man boobs. And so like um, it wasn't until maybe like the like the last um okay this is super this is super specific and i won't i won't go like super like tmi about it or anything but like <laughs> i'll only do like a little tmi <laughs> but like the, for a long time like sexually i was kind of like what kevin smith would talk about in his stand up where he'd be like i never take off my shirt when i have sex mm-hmm. and i was kind of like that for a long long time and i remember at one point this one friend of mine a girl that I hooked up with it back in like Santa Rosa when I lived in Northern California. So this would have been like about 10 years ago. Um, I remember that. Um, and, and again, I mean, it's kind of, this is kind of a hazy consent thing. So it's maybe not, it's not great that she did this. It ended up being a good thing for me with my own journey with like the, just the having man boobs but a, a, but this friend of mine kind of like made me take off like didn't mm-hmm. she didn't like pull it off me herself but she was like she grabbed scissors and cut right <laughs> that would be pretty <laughs> <Like> wild <surgery. laughs> but yeah she she like was really like um she really like pleaded with me to like to like accept you know myself in that way and and she maybe did it in a way that was maybe a little too forceful even though she didn't like physically force me but like it was maybe a little hazy in that in that regard, um, but kind of just like like the first time that it was sort of like ripping off the bandaid and like pulling off my shirt and like and like just dealing with it. And it, and it was a good thing because it led to me like being more comfortable in that regard. But I would say in more recent years of like getting closer to coming out and then finally coming out um, again, like I, like nothing has ever changed with my gender identification, but because there's an there's an aspect of bisexuality that involves like again that toggling back and forth and like being different things for different people um because just because of the sexual geometry (laughs) with Mm -hmm. with different people like um there i think there was more kind of like a pride of ownership of like more acceptance with myself of like having man boobs and of having that be a thing that's like perceived as feminine and sort of like just going with it like with the idea of like depending on like what the sexual experience was or whatever um so it kind of like it kind of healed some stuff in that way but it didn't it didn't necessarily like make me question like do i de- identify as he him like i still firmly identify as a guy and like have have always felt that way um but it, yeah it just kind of gave me more acceptance with like my own body at least so yeah um, have you ever experienced discrimination or the fear of discrimination for being bisexual? And have you changed the way you act because of that fear? Well, I guess, and I guess it's kind of like, 
it's limited to the stuff I only brought up that just like the like recent like dating app stuff with the straight ladies um, and uh, this the straight white woman white women man <laughs> and because um, I could also clarify that it's only been straight white women so yeah. <laughs> of course that's not surprising yeah and um, and yeah like the again like the moment in Ohio from like last year where like the guy like slurred me without realizing that he was being like accurate when he like dropped like the F word and stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, like the gym class stuff those times, but yeah, in terms of just since I've come out, um, nothing except like those dating app experiences. But yeah, like when I was, when I was younger, there were just a lot of moments of like, um, like I remember, it was like in central PA and I guess this is everywhere. Like I shouldn't, I don't even need to qualify like that. This was in central PA cause we're just in America and like America problems. But, um, just, just tons of experiences of like gay being used to mean lame, like mm-hmm. gay meaning lame as, as the common thing would be. And, um, and it, yeah, it like bothered me enough. Again, I think it's kind of the privilege of like, that I was like uh, passing and nobody would have assumed otherwise about me being straight. And I was, I hadn't yet come out. So like made me uncomfortable enough to feel uncomfortable, but didn't make me uncomfortable enough to like check people for it. And I like participated in it myself in terms of using that word that way when I was younger. And, um, and there's even a time in a, in a song where, uh, this is, and it's the only time that I ever went back and like censored something that I recorded when I made this album Allie's in 2006 and I was spending like more time than ever with my friend Mark, who Sarah, I think I've told you about before, who was like my best friend mm-hmm. in like Harrisburg years. And like we played as a duo sometimes, but Mark is this kind of like wild man. And like, he's, he, he's like, he's half progressive, but still like problematic in some ways. And like, um, I, th- I don't think he uses, I think by now he realizes that his use of the F word was wrong and he's not willing to use that word anymore. Um, but he definitely had a period like back then in like the days of like 2004 or five, six, when we were like hanging out a lot, he would use the F word a lot towards people where he wasn't, he wasn't using it towards people he was perceiving as, as gay. He was just using it in the connotation of like, it was his catch-all term to for calling somebody mm-hmm. somebody an asshole. Yeah. Like instead of asshole, he would use that word. And so there was a song that I recorded on an album in 2006 that was actually like ironically, it was this song called "Song for Steve," and it was talking about this guy in the music scene named Steve who um, he was kind of like a weird presence at a lot of shows and like nobody kind of like knew I think enough of his background to like assume anything for sure but i think people assumed that he was just on the spectrum meaning the autism spectrum he was mm-hmm. kind of like socially awkward in certain ways and so like some people were kind of like creeped out by him which was pretty unfair and mean and i just always like both mark and i always felt bad for like how people would talk about him because they would literally call him like autistic steve so yeah. in the song song for steve it's a song in the context of the story of alleys where i'm like telling off a lot of people and it's just a very angry like rage filled album and in this one point in song for steve the second verse begins where i initially i originally said 
this is the only time I'll say the word just to like quote the lyric, but I said like, um, you faggots ought to be ashamed. He never heard a fly. And mm-hmm. it was, it was using the word to mean like it, the way that I was used to Mark saying it as in a way of calling people assholes. But like soon enough after like recording it, like I was okay with it when I wrote it and recorded it and I didn't feel uncomfortable or feel that it was wrong. Like I didn't get enough about how that word is weaponized yet, I guess. And then it didn't take long. It was only like a year or two later that I started to like really feel uncomfortable that that existed. And then when Jason and I like remastered that album in 2015, I took the word out and I had him like do a little edit to like echo the word you so it just says like you 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 ought to be ashamed Mm -hmm. so like took the just full-on took the word out and like it still like bugs me that like there are cd copies of that album floating around where like it's the old version with me like using the word um but yeah like i was i mean at least you have shame on like katie perry what's that (laughs) yeah at least you have some shame on oh yeah she's still just like that's the song that got me famous you're so gay and you don't even like boys yeah. okay yep. yeah and then like, she also did i kissed a girl right that album she, just she really kind of capitalized and then yeah. and then ran far away like i feel like she doesn't like do anything queer friendly anymore no but it's I mean, true like, i mean at least and you, technically that wasn't even queer friendly then obviously yeah. <laughs> but but it's true like at least you like are able to like own up to it and like mention it now because i think yeah. a lot of us when we were younger it was like a different time and like they're like i'm pretty sure at some point like when kids were calling things gay at school i probably said it at some point yeah. but like not knowing like what it meant because it like you said it was like a way to say things are like dumb or lame so yeah or sometimes you don't even know what the word means but you're like i need to say it back because you just made fun of me using this yeah. word right. so I need to say because you're just being a sponge in your like youth or whatever yeah like, yeah um as like someone who's been out and lived like as an out bisexual man in like a very conservative state like Ohio and a very liberal state like California is there a difference when you're like walking down the street or anything like the attitude towards queer people I think well and it's weird because I because I live in Orange County it's almost like I chose like the Ohio part of California mm-hmm. yeah so like <laughs> right even even walking around here bubble. sometimes if something would happen there I feel like I would expect it just as much like right here in Orange County so like um never never anything specific in either state that felt like it only was like fixating on an aspect of queerness But I think in general, um, one thing that I note a lot is that I think, and I think this is part of how the word gay got so weaponized to mean lame or weird or, or in the case of like how Mark was using it, like asshole with like the F word, like a more like angry way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think part of how that stigma became so prevalent is just that like, um, unless it's about like skin color, I feel like any any time that someone in any way looks different from the normies like the i think the knee-jerk feeling that like a normie would have of like if they're gonna have like a like a problematic reaction to somebody who like outwardly they perceive as weird in some way i feel like even if they're not even if it's not conscious enough to say I feel like the thing that I'm knee-jerk reacting to is a feeling of queerness or whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's always the subtext. That like if like if skin color is involved, obviously it's skin color. 
But if it's like a white person or a passing white person walking around with like, because like my example would be that like when Booksmart came out and you and I um, were like, and I and Juan like I can't remember if you love Booksmart or if like you tolerate it. He saw her. it like seven like, times, seven of the oh, ten okay. times. You I were made. It, you were made I watched to it, it twice on Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, so like when we were like wild for it, and like it was around the same time that the the abortion bans were happening. Mm-hmm. So specifically, I just remember that it was like when I was really going hard with like my abortion pins and stuff on like yeah. the denim jacket. So, like, I was walking around that, it would have been Ohio then, like, walking around Ohio a lot with that denim jacket with tons of, like, progressive pins on it, just being a walking sign, basically. And, like, the the side eye that I felt from people, I don't think a lot of times they were even specifically reading pins. I think it was just like, oh, here's a guy with pins. Here's a guy with, like, He's a guy loud, trying to say something. Yeah, he's got, like, a loud yeah. physical presence that's, like, against the norm. And so, like, I feel like their general, like, discomfort level, like the knee-jerk discomfort, I feel like if you were to, like, sit them down and give them, like, a lie detector test, it would it would most likely be about thinking someone was gay or thinking someone mm-hmm. was other than straight in some way. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like, I, so a lot of unspoken, I would say, more like side-eye and stuff, stink-eye from people, not as much, like, spoken, like judgment or anything like that um so like um it was just kind of like the idea that um it's kind of just that feels like the ohio way to me that like people are so people are bigoted but they're like usually non-confrontational bigoted so like you feel it from their look more than you do like from like hearing them actually say something bigoted other than the guy who had road rage who, like, followed me to a parking lot and yelled at me. I know, like, you, like, love, like, California and L.A. specifically, so you probably already, like, feel more comfortable there just in general, but, like, do you feel, like, is there a drastic difference in, like, your comfortability of, like, when you're in L.A. and the surrounding area versus being in Ohio and being a queer person? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's more like kind of what you were saying about like the driving experience. It's it's more about like stickers on cars and like lawn signs and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like I like, yeah. Like the general attitude. Right. Yeah. Like Orange County is definitely a little more conservative than LA, but even here I would say, um, it's, it's at least, you know, it's still more progressive than that part of Ohio for sure. And like driving around, like I never see shit that enrages me like I did every day in Ohio. And um yeah, like in general I just feel safer here, I would say. And and you know, like I like I'm I do have the privilege of passing so that like I don't feel super I wouldn't feel super unsafe anywhere in terms of like that kind of feeling unsafe or anything. But but I I obviously well, you know, like anyone, I always feel safer just being around more people who are left-leaning and progressive and have a soul (laughs) yeah um so yeah uh how do you feel about the lgbtqia community as a whole i mean i've i feel really good in general about sort of like the i i feel like it's generally a an inclusive community of allies i mean i occasionally like i see your experience and 
and I know that there's like terrible gatekeeping toward ace folks and and aromantic folks in the community overall. So I'm not thrilled about like the factionalization or if that's a word mm-hmm. that that you can see sometimes. Um, and I know, and I guess the, like referencing back to that line from like the from chasing Amy that like you know obviously that was in like '97, so obviously like gatekeeping and sort of like queer on queer crime has has always been a thing to to some extent. But in general, I feel really good. I mean, I'm you know like I'm very glad to be a part of the community. I've always felt welcomed personally, and like I said, like the uh, the questioning of of my bisexuality being valid has never, I've never felt that from anyone who was queer in any way. Okay. Cause I know yeah. bi erasure is yeah. like a huge thing that goes on in the community, right. but you've never personally felt excluded. Yeah. And I think it's part of that is also that I'm like, unlike you guys, like I'm not like on Twitter anymore. Yeah. And I feel like it happens more there than anywhere else just cause Twitter is a mess. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, that's like, just a, a very healthy thing to do in your life, yeah. not be involved <laughs> it's in true. so much. <laughs> so, yeah, like, if I were on Twitter and I were, like, um, like hashtagging more stuff that had to do with the community in any way, I feel like I would have run into it at least a few times by now, that kind of erasure. Because, you, I mean, like, you're just out here trying to live your asexual life and, like, getting all kinds of aggression just without even asking for it yeah and so yeah um what are your feelings on pride and that can be like the month the events that come with it the rainbow capitalism aspect anything oh yeah the feeling well i probably wouldn't (laughs) i probably the the feeling of pride in general (laughs) uh i i mean i feel it's all good feelings other than like i probably honestly would have forgotten about the rainbow capitalism aspect if you hadn't just mentioned it Mm -hmm. so like that's certainly one negative and um and yeah like i um okay so i didn't participate in a pride parade or march of any kind until um i started knowing about them in like 2009 when i started dating taryn back in Pennsylvania because she was, um, and that was like my longest relationship and we like played music together and stuff. And she came from the world of theater and like, um, and she knew the gays there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The theater gays. Yeah. And so like, because of the, because of the theater gays that were like suddenly in my life, once I was dating her, um, and she always identified as bisexual as well and was probably, I may have, thinking back actually i can't remember if i may have like like kind of unofficially come out with her Mm -hmm. when we started dating i guess i probably did she was probably the first person other than kevin that i would have like talked about that with um but anyway yeah with like all the theater gays that were in my life suddenly i was like hearing about like like the local like harrisburg pride fest when it would happen and and knowing about like pride month and i don't think i ever went then for whatever reason and I don't think I final I finally went to one for the first time. Crazy that it wasn't until until now, but like the first that first Pride Month that I was out two years ago was the first time that I like went to a Pride Fest and was like actively celebrating Pride Month and like uh trying to post stuff like throughout the month mm-hmm. whenever. And I felt like I I did I did more of it two years ago than I did last year, but I was still posting stuff last year. 
because like especially because it was right around the same time that those abortion bans were happening and there was there was just like a lot to talk about in the community of like not being an asshole yeah <laughs> the general progressive community <laughs> yeah um, but like no, yeah but the but the capitalism aspect for sure you're like you're good to point out because i i do see that stuff blow up every year like clockwork in places like like maybe target it's like a little more acceptable because like as a corporation i guess they have a better track record maybe they probably have had some bad moments too though that we might know or not know about yeah but when i see it when i see it in corporations like if i were to see like pride month stuff like dick's sporting goods (laughs) i'd be like please like <laughs> the only gay thing yeah. here is the name dicks that's it yeah like yeah. no yep. like what queer people are going to dick sporting goods truly yeah imagine if bass pro shop was like here is our pride month section <laughs> they would be the and be like we love a pole they would be the type of company yeah. that would do like a straight pride theme probably yeah you're mm, you're right they probably would um anyways uh this is the last question before we get into our rapid fire questions which Ooh. won't be as rapid as it sounds. Um, <laughs> do you have any thoughts on gay bars or just gay spaces? Like, could they be more inclusive? Do we need more? Do we need some that aren't just bars? Do you yeah, frequent I mean, I th- them? I don't know. I ha- I haven't really frequented them. I think that there should be more. Well, well, I guess this is this is the better way to say it. There should either be more, or or they should be more visible because maybe there are more than I realize, but they're mm-hmm. just so not visible. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, I know also it's kind of a complex thing probably about like the visibility of them because like, you know, it's much easier to target a gay space than it is a gay person. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I mean like a gay space is a sitting target. So if somebody was going to vandalize or yeah. do something crazy. Yeah. Um, and so like, I, I know maybe visibility is something that's tough unless you're talking like West Hollywood, yeah, which is just loud and proud baby (laughs) and like um so like like west hollywood uh has great there's great visibility there and there's a plethora and like you see um, that gun shop gay what's that Gay gun shop is there for real one there no but i would be i would laugh so hard i would totally not put it past any really anywhere in america at this point um but like uh yeah and i guess i do also remember being around like in the bay area years like i remember going to the castro and like being around like being in more gay spaces then and actually even in Harrisburg um there was kind of like like the homophobia was rampant but there was a little more visibility in Harrisburg and there were a few I would say a few more gay establishments and actually um there was uh I I think my first gay bar experience was in Harrisburg with my sister when she also lived in Harrisburg, which was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, it was right around the time that, okay, I don't know if you, either of you like care about Madonna at all, but it was when her album, her. like confessions on a dance floor came out, name. which was her like, re- like really like disco album from like the mid two thousands. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. friend Aaron and I like love, we have a big bond over that album. And like, that was when that album was like hot. So it was just like wall to wall, like Madonna, like confessions on a dance floor. And my sister's like a big Madonna person. So that was like that was like euphoric. That was like a transcendent experience, like my first ever gay bar experience. And I was like, 
I've never been in a bar that it felt this good to be in before. (laughs) But I think, but, but yeah, it never really translated to me like going to them a lot. Like I haven't really been to a lot of them. I don't think I've, I haven't been to a single one in LA other than just that, just that stretch in West Hollywood Mm -hmm. on like Santa Monica Boulevard. Um, And yeah, like I haven't been to any, God knows what there is in Orange County. Um, I'm sure there are some, but maybe not a lot. Yeah. So yeah, like I yeah, like I'd be all for more visibility if it's safe, like as safe as it is to have more visibility, which is sad to even have to give that as a qualifier, but mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. All right, and now we're gonna get into the rapid fire questions, which aren't oh, super shit. fast. They're just kind of like cute, quirky, <laughs> fun questions. Like one word answer to, questions. Like, it's like trivia, yeah. Okay. Not trivia. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's like, like personal it's, trivia. It's just like, like favorite favorite about this, you. Favorite Give the history of the first bisexual, publicly bisexual yeah. person and when they were born. <laughs> yeah. um, first favorite queer film. If you had first to favorite one. queer film, pr- problematic by today's standards. Just but favorite, chasing. not first, but just favorite um, in general. Oh, favorite in, fir- first would have been chasing Amy, but favorite in general. Um. I mean, I, I mean, like, there are a few movies that I love more than Booksmart, and it counts, so it does. it's Booksmart. Hey, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have a least favorite queer film? Like, maybe something that doesn't hold up or uses mm. stereotypes, or maybe just is, in general, just Bad. a shitty movie? Yeah. I would say, <laughs> I would say, like, any of the, like, any gay serial killer movie, like, Basic Instinct, Sharon Stone out here, is? like... I've yeah, she that. yeah she's like obs- she she's obsessed with Ooh, Michael huh? Douglas, but she also makes out with like hot ladies, oh, okay. and then she likes to kill guys with a nice pick. Um, oh. Or no, not her. She, I mean, she she. Spo- sorry that I'm spoiling <laughs> Basic Instinct. It's somebody. Else. It's somebody film. else that does that. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, favorite queer musician or artist? Technically, you could say yourself for this answer, but I assume... Yeah, I would never. Yeah, I assumed you were. (laughs) Or you Um, could pull a Frankie and say Shawn Mendes. Ooh, is he? No, he's not. I don't even know enough about Shawn Mendes to know. Does he he try to pass as, but he's actually straight? No, I think a lot of people No, but the community wants him to be. They're shipping him as. And that's a lot with... They think his relationship with Camila Cabello is like a publicity stunt. Like, who do they ship him with as being his... Gay lover. I don't know if they ship him with anyone. Probably Honestly, someone like Troy Sivan or someone. Some other. Ooh. I wouldn't doubt if it were Troy Sivan or Harry Styles. Yeah, some that other, is pretty. Like Troy Sivan yeah. is gorgeous. He's a gorgeous man. But yeah, anyway. Um, okay, I, okay. Favorite. Um, it's got to be Rufus Wainwright. I think. Yeah, I, I just Rufus. recently <gasps> found out that he's he's bisexual, right? I is he or is he? I just, thought he I thought he identified just gay, but. But maybe he maybe he does it. I know I was I was working on a playlist for queer, just like queer artists musicians, because a lot of time I would look on Spotify for like queer artists like playlists for those, and a lot of people would include people that aren't queer. They just have like queer songs, like queer anthems or whatever. And I'm like, okay, this isn't what I want. And yeah, I was shocked because like I I really like Rufus Wainwright, and it was shocking to me. And he's like, yeah, um, the Robinson's bastard. Yeah, both the music and like his person. He's just like fun to listen to. Like he has a lot of good hot takes that I love. Mm-hmm. Well, like he was the he was the first person to publicly say the Lady Gaga's second album sucked, and that was that made me really happy. Which was her second album? 
like he criticized her for ripping off Madonna on Born This Way. Oh, okay. He was he was like good oh. he was like good messaging, but this song is a rip off. <laughs> oh, that's her third album. Juan, oh, that's right. I guess that is her. Th- yeah, that's right. What's that's the song yeah. that we love from Rufus Wainwright? Like I know a couple because he was featured Gardens? in like, the OC. There's one, isn't there one in like Shrek? Yeah, he he covered Hallelujah. Okay. In it's Shrek. probably the Hallelujah. And, oh and, and he has a no wonder, no wonder that song slaps so hard. I I'm know. like, what's with this song? It's and so he's, good. And he's got like, um, he has a song called California, yeah, which, which I think on is the, the one from the OC. But, I, but he has a really he has a really good song about Grey Gardens called Grey Gardens. That's my favorite. I mean, song he did the his. didn't he do like most of the Meet the Robinsons soundtrack? Oh yeah, he also did. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and that's probably why that you love right. him a lot too. Because Juan and I just recently, yeah. like maybe a couple months ago. We're talking about how great Rufus Wainwright was. Wait, didn't Rob Thomas do a song on the Meet the Robinson yeah. soundtrack? Too? Rob Thomas did. and both Rufus Wainwright were on oh Meet my the Robinson. That one had some. And that's why I love them both. Yeah, that soundtrack slaps hard now. Yeah. That I think about it. Um, what's your star sign? <laughs> Wait, is that the that's the main sign, right? Yeah, we don't have to get into yes. your rising or okay. anything. Okay, Sag. Sagittarius. Sag is my main. Yeah, one. that's right. Yep. You're in December. Um, yep. Is that something that like I assume that's like a thing people want to know on dating apps now? Is that something? Yeah, people are always like asking? there was even a there was even a person on Hinge who straight up was after like a day of talking was like, uh, "Do you have co-star?" And I was like, "No." And and they were like, "We'll get co-star and we can keep talking <laughs> once we link up on co-star." <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> they said, "I need to know. I need to yeah. know what our star sign says." First things first. Uh, and then the last question is for, it's not a question, it's more of a request of you. If you could give us one book, one movie, and one album that you would recommend to everyone listening. And that doesn't have to be queer, it could just be Like just something. anything? Yeah, anything. any. So book, album, movie? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'm going to keep, I'm going to make one of them queer-friendly just because, just for the hell of it. Mm-hmm. Um for like queer friendly album just because it's just like good queer history and i also just think it's a like for pride month like i played it a lot last year and i realized that both the song and the overall album are just like very very healthy for pride in general um but uh the first the first album where george michael was out Mm -hmm. the the older album or i guess I, i guess he technically came out with the song outside which is the song about him getting like arrested in the in the bathroom at the Will bathroom. Rogers Memorial Park where I did my <laughs> album cover shoot. <laughs> but like I so I think older came out right before that, but his like um his most recent uh his lover had just uh passed away from HIV like right before he made that album. And it's it's like a devastating story, but it's all over that album older. So that's a really good album, his third album. Um, and then just general for the other two, um, for books, Divided Soul, The Life and Death of Marvin Gaye, which is my favorite book and a really good music biography. And also kind of, I mean, um, it's the shit. It's the only thing I forgot to talk about in those like Marvin Gaye, like live sessions I was doing on Instagram. He, uh, his second ex-wife, Jan Gay, after, after this was long after his death, obviously, it was when she wrote her book a few years ago, she outed him as bisexual, which was like a, a like mind-blowing to all of us, like mm-hmm. Marvin superfans. Apparently, he, um, he slept with a couple notable 
fellow bisexual men from like the entertainment industry, these were also revelations to me. He hooked up with Richard Pryor, the comedian, yeah. and he hooked up with Marlon Brando. Which I feel like that that's a that, like that is a uh, sexual <laughs> yeah. relationship to to ship right there. Marvin Gaye and I've Marlon heard both Brando. Those names. Yeah. Which is wild. Um, so yeah, Divided Soul, they don't <laughs> they don't go into that in, in that book, mm-hmm. but in her book later after the dance, she talked about it. And then movie um, what's like the last movie I watched that I really loved? Mm. Hold up, I wanna do like a really good one. Well, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but like everybody has seen that movie by now. I still haven't watched it because I'm so okay well then that's what i'm saying portrait of a lady on fire it was devastating but it's incredible truly incredible yeah but have you cried during dumpling yeah we showed one dumpling the other night and one was like oh my god this movie is so cute and i'm crying i still haven't seen it i got it it's on my list that is a good one it's got some drag queens ready to cry at first, when you said it, like just because it's a one-word title, I mixed it up in my mind with Horse Girl, that like oh, Alison yeah, Brie yeah. movie. That's probably <laughs> probably a shit show. Yeah, like, Netflix. I've heard that movie is a mess. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. You gave us mm-hmm. all three. Um, right. Is there anywhere people can follow you online? Anything you want to plug? Can- they can, if they want to like look up like music stuff, they can, so nathanvasheko.com and, uh, or you can search my name on like Spotify or iTunes or any of those things. And the most recent album, Born in California, that is a good factoid that I never realized until recently that like the, the place, like the illustration uh, by Courtney Bindle on the cover of Born in California where I'm going like this mm-hmm. and there's like palm trees is based on a photo that my friend Aaron took at Will Rogers Memorial Park in Beverly Hills, which is right across the street from the Beverly Hills Hotel. And the bathroom, the men's room of Will Rogers Memorial Park is where George Michael was arrested in 1997 or whenever that was. Cute. So an interesting factoid that I never realized <laughs> about my album cover. Mm-hmm. And um, and you can and on social media, there's just Instagram, which is pretty Nate's all in a row. I gotta change that username to something more concise. That's just what I wanted to start with. I've always wondered what that was. I assumed it, I don't know. Like I, I don't know why I there's, assumed it was like with Ladybird or something. Just well, because there's like a say, there's like a saying from a nursery rhyme like "Pretty Maids" all in oh, a row. Oh, okay. I thought, it and was I about only birds. did it because there was. I was like listening to the Eagles, and there's an Eagles song called "Pretty Maids" all in a row. But like. Um, it's just funny. I just thought of it because Spotify did their like year in review mm-hmm. and they have like a photo of me for like the artist page on Spotify. And it was And they kept doing these yeah. graphics with like the boom 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 boom. <laughs> and it was just very funny to me. Yeah. Um but so for now pretty Nate's all in a row or just go to Sarah and ask Sarah. Yeah, you can I have to go me. I have to go follow one again because we're because it's a new account and we're not following each other. Plus Plus, in that time when I was briefly, like, when I, like, unfollowed you. A cleanse, yeah. And I unfollowed Juan, too, in, like, 2017 when there was drama. Mm-hmm. When I unfollowed everybody from the List app, and then you called me, and you were like, why'd you, listen, why, what's, what's your Well, I didn't, issue? I wasn't, I didn't want to follow. It wasn't just You confronted him? You fully went, you fully went, I lost a follower, and I saw that it was you. That Excuse was me, not. Did you why the survey as to how I could improve my social media did you d- did you don't did you download one of the apps that's, that tells you like who no, unfollowed? I would never. That'd be too sad. 
No, that's I've not... done that before. <laughs> I will <laughs> fully oh, admit yeah. I've done that. <laughs> it would make me too sad. Um, I know. No, Juan, you did something dramatic and he unfollowed. That's what he's talking about. I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, no, it didn't did. even have to. He was just... No, yeah, you... Juan was, Juan was collateral damage of like the... Yeah. That I just was like, what? Because I was like... And I didn't even want to unfollow you. I was just having that dumb rule with myself where I was like, okay, anybody who's following any of these people I don't like, I'm just going to unfollow them. Mm-hmm. And then like I saw Juan on my list and I was like, well, would it be weird if I kept following Juan if I unfollowed her? Yeah, <laughs> so I unfollowed me. both of them. <laughs> So I have to go follow one again now on my new um, one. And you've just been on Instagram really do during yeah. quarantine, right? Yeah, like I had deleted everything again. I thought it was going to delete them for good. And then like when quarantine came down, I was like, well, like I want people to know that I'm alive and I want to know that they're alive. So <laughs> I'll, I'll make something again. So do you see so like another Instagram? depending on how long this goes, are you just going to stick it out with that? Or do you see yourself? Yeah, I guess I'll just keep it because I do like Instagram. Like I've always mm-hmm. liked Instagram, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely not getting back on Twitter. Twitter's a Twitter's hot mess. a mess. I have missed yeah. your seeing you on Letterbox though. Oh yeah, I do. I do like Letterbox, and I just got like tired. I just like wanted to like free up some mental space, and I was like, I don't need to review movies. Yeah. Like it's fun, but I don't have to do that. I've definitely gotten like that so. before, where when I first got a Letterbox and started like. I don't even rate movies all the time. Sometimes I'll just like write a thing about it or just log that I watched it, whatever. Yeah. But a lot of times I would find myself as I'm watching it thinking like, okay, is this a three or a three and a half or is this a four star? Mm-hmm. And so I, I do you still that use that video one, that video movie review? Oh, Stardust. No, I couldn't yeah. keep up with it. And I just, I think the yeah. people that I got on there for, like the people from like YouTube and stuff that, like introduced me to it um yeah. and i like interacted with it they stopped using it i don't know why maybe they just stopped being like mm. sponsored by it or whatever so i just kind of stopped using it but yeah That's it's fine. fine i yeah i just like deleted that i was like i'm doing this on letterbox now it's basically the same thing but yeah anyways is this gonna be on and is this gonna be on anchor like is that one of the places Ooh, that you're baby, that's gonna the post plan. everything I gotta set it up. Um, I'm mad that they can't do the thing like bumpers. Like they, we should be able to just do this on Anchor. I think like you all can talk on the same thing. Maybe like on your desktop of it. I don't uh, know. Like from what I what they post about like through like Medium articles or just little videos about how to record remotely. They've been doing it a lot now yeah. because of quarantine. It seems like it's a thing you can do. I've just never tried it like that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna yeah. set up another anchor account and i'll try to upload some stuff by the way for people that don't yeah. know you are the one that sings our intro song that's right so, it will, and it will be there like for this episode yeah, and stuff it'll be up there sweet so people well, if people are wondering who's that dude at the beginning it's you <laughs> that was a good compliment i, I told sarah I told Sarah that it sounded like Bob's Burgers, and I love it. That's what I was going to say. I was like, that's high praise if it sounds like Bob's Burgers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Anyways, well, thank you, Nathan, so much for talking with us and getting open and vulnerable with us. Of course. Thank you both for doing this. We will see you all around. Yes. Happy Pride. Happy almost Pride Month. Yeah. By the time this goes up, it's Pride Month, but right now it's not really feeling like it yet. Yeah. We're four days away. Anyways, yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye. Oh, 
wasn't that a great episode. I'm just kidding. <laughs> wasn't that amazing? No, very, very informative, very introspective, very good way to, uh, again, everyone has their own stories and everyone's stories are valid and you can learn something from everyone. Even if you can't relate to everything, there's always at least one thing that we can learn from somebody, no matter what and who and their experience. Something I do love about this conversation we had is that, I mean, Nathan is obviously a musician and like is a fan of a bunch of musicians, but like, I never like, it never occurred to me, like just the way he would drop in like, oh, Freddie Mercury or Elton John or Mm -hmm. like George Michael, like all these different musicians. I'm like, just the way he was dropping these people in, I'm like, ooh, I forgot about Elton John. I How forgot I about forget? this gay man. Um, but yeah, very interesting. I will say, by the way, Nathan at the end there said Rufus Wainwright for favorite queer artist. I said, <gasps> I said he's bisexual, isn't he? And that is wrong. As far as I know, he doesn't identify as bisexual, um, but is married, I believe. Um, I think has a new album out or something. I keep seeing posts about him he's like tweeting stuff and but he's he's very cool but sorry i didn't mean to miss up his uh mix up his sexuality there i've been researching a lot of different queer artists and i guess i took someone else's bisexuality and got it confused with his name and so is <laughs> and rufus wainwright straight no he's gay <gasps> uh. i just meant he's not I don't want to mislabel him as bisexual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, as far as I know, he's never used that label. I mean, I'm just scared of people being straight. Oops. Oops. Don't be so scared of the straight swan. All they want to do is take you to. <laughs> I look at you and like, Hangover wait, Part 4. I'm just kidding. <laughs> A nightmare. Um, once again, if you would like to follow Nathan, you can do so on Instagram at prettynates all in a row. And you can listen to his music on Spotify and iTunes. Um, mm-hmm. Check the description for all the info there. This entire podcast was made by queer people. Our artwork was made by Frankie Diaz. And our intro song was by, you guessed it, Nathan Pacheco, who we just talked to. Um, Iconic so Bob Burger sound and theme. Check out the links in the description to follow Frankie and Nathan. Um, also in the description, you can find the transcription for this episode. If you know anyone that would like to read it instead of listen, go ahead and share that around. The link is also in our social media bios. Um, speaking of which, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Friends Pod. You can email us at allyourfriendspod at gmail.com. I know that's confusing. It's not Queer Friends Pod, but what are you going to do? The email's been set. I can't change it. Um, if you got, if you could, if you have someone at Google, let them know about that, and let them know that my birthday is wrong, and it says it's the fifteenth, but <laughs> it's the third. Wrong on Google. Google literally has my birthday as the third, as like the fifteenth, and I said, "What the fuck? No, that's your fault. You must have put it in wrong." Anyways, um, make sure you are subscribed wherever you are tuning into this show, to this podcast. Share us with a friend or family member, maybe someone who you think would benefit from, you know, these eye-opening experiences. Leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts if you would like to. Um, And come back next week because we're talking to a very special someone. 
And I think you Nicole know Scherzinger? what I mean, Juan. Nicole Scherzinger. <laughs> We're talking to her and all of the other pussycat dolls that didn't do anything. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They danced. And I can't dance. They dance. They dance. But it was it was her who was singing. And we know mm-hmm. that. No, not Nicole Scherzinger, Juan. But I like to refer to, to this person as the people's Nicole Scherzinger. That's right. It's Juan Oliveros. It's me. I'm the people's Nicole Scherzinger. <laughs> New Instagram bio. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, next week's episode is going to be all about Juan, where I sit down with him, again, over FaceTime, and uh, ask him all the juicy questions that we've been asking everyone else, but we get to hear Juan's perspective on these things. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sure what, to be a, a can't-miss episode. Would I have popped off harder if I wasn't in my own home? Probably. But you'll have to figure out why I can't pop off as hard as I want in my own home on the episode. Ooh, mystery. It's because there's a ghost in your house. Yeah, it's because there's ghosts in my house, and I don't want it's them It's because of the homophobic ghosts in your house. Oh my god, Scooby-Doo, where are you? Speaking of Scooby-Doo, did you see that one of the writers said Velma is 100%? Okay, like they confirmed it. <gasps> okay, Mama, we've been new. I know we have known, but it was nice that we got like a confirmation. And Linda because- Cardellini was like, I played her as gay in the movies. Like, yes! Because there, there were scenes that were cut out where there was like more of allusions to that. In the first one? Yeah. Not only that, that body switching part, but there's another part where she's like, I think she's yelling at either Fred or Daphne to kiss her or something. Like someone, mm. there's a part where she yells at them and they're standing next to each other and she points right in the middle of them so neither of them know who she's talking to. Mm. And it was in like a weird way. I don't know, people can Google it, but Velma's gay. Oh my God, I love her Which so makes much. sense why Haley Kiyoko played her, you know? I was, I mean, I was going to say... At one point, I was like, maybe she's in love with Scooby because that was a <laughs> plot line in one of the Scooby-Doo series. Maybe she's in love with Scooby. Wait, sorry, Shaggy. That's <laughs> dog. And I, oop. Yeah. Um, But honestly, I have always wanted Velma to be a big old lesbian. Mm-hmm. I think it fits her. Mwah, chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. Scrappy Cornelius do. Trash. The Dr. Jacoby. And that was my Velma impression. That Thank was you. actually not that bad. That was good. Thank you. Um yeah, so next week will be Juan's episode. And I don't even remember what you said, but I'll go back and edit it and tr- transcribe it and we'll see what you said. I'm sure it's written. <laughs> I don't know what you said, but I'm pretty sure it was controversial and not brave. So I don't know what you said, but I think I'm just going to change it to say, I won, stole from my mom's purse. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, in our social media bios, there's also links to donate to organizations that are, you know, Black Lives matter well black and trans organizations i'll just say mm-hmm. um and uh, go check those out you know the ochre project marsha p johnson institute and the gofundme for the homeless black trans women fund so links and bios donate give what you can and um yeah i guess i will say 
this. I will say Rest in Power, Naya Rivera. Yes. I will also say Rest in Power, Brie Black. Rest in Power, Shaky Peters. Rest in Power, Drea McCarty. Rest in Power, Brayla Stone. Rest in Power, Mercy Mack. And Rest in Power, Tatiana Hall. And if you don't know those names, look them up and support black trans organizations. Can I throw one more in there? Yeah, sure. I want to say Rest in Power, Grant Imahara. Oh, from Mythbusters. From Mythbusters, who died recently of a supposed aneurysm. So, um, happy thoughts to everyone. That shit scares me, man. Honest to God, it's so scary. Brain aneurysms? We'll talk off mic about this. Anyways, thank you for listening. Come back next week for Juan's episode. Uh, Stay healthy, y'all, and treasure those close to you and fight for the rights Mm -hmm. of others. That's all I got to say. Don't be afraid to say I love you to anyone. Juan, I'm a vampire. Oh my god, I knew it. And I love you. (gasps) Oh, I love you too. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Stay queer as fuck.